0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Player to Prospect podcast. The following episode features a conversation with Chris Lewis, who is a pitching development analyst for the Toronto Blue Jays. To support the podcast, all follows, ratings, and reviews are appreciated. Without further ado, let's get to the episode with Chris Lewis. Okay, let's get this ball rolling because we got a lot to go. Let's do it. (laughs)
1: we we, we gotta do it let's go
0: we're good well okay yeah so I told you we're gonna start with like you the inception of you you know how you kind of started in this so how you got to this today and obviously it doesn't just happen overnight I mean me hearing about you and Bennett recommending you to do this that was actually my biggest curiosity about you is how do you come about just like getting interested in this baseball world and then you know stumbling into analytics as well i mean cuz there's a lot that had to go right you know like there's a lot of of things that you had to yeah. do correctly in order for you to get into the position you're at today so you know i guess i'll start actually the first question would be did you play baseball as a kid
2: yeah so i did i grew up playing baseball like that was my thing like okay you really i didn't really separate myself from baseball at all when i was a kid like I played on like three different travel teams at one point and like went to all like the 12 year tournaments and stuff like that. I played through high school. Mm-hmm. I wanted to play in college. Like that was always my goal um, mm-hmm. was to play in college. And I went to all like the showcases and did all like the summer circuit stuff and all that and talked to coaches and the whole nine yards of like college recruiting at, at the level that I could have possibly played at. Yeah. And basically how it worked was I had like one or two, chances to play at at schools that I wasn't like it they were they were really great like I was very like grateful for the the opportunity but they weren't like it just wasn't a good fit for me like it it, the school wasn't the kind of school that I wanted to go to um yeah and I wasn't I wasn't good enough to play at the kind of places that I would have been interested in going at um so like I just kind of punted on the baseball side of things and I just picked a school that I liked and that I wanted to go to and that was Wake Forest. It's actually like that. The story of how I got to Wake is a little bit interesting because I didn't really want to apply to Wake at all. Like they have, there's like seven different steps on the application process. It's like a very lengthy and, and drawn out like application. It's different from a, a lot of schools. And I had already applied to a bunch and like, didn't really want to do another one. And, and my mom actually was like, no, 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 like you got to do this. Like, don't, don't leave a stone unturned. Like you got to do it and so i did it like i remember doing it like we go to my grandparents house um for christmas every year and i remember doing this application in my room or like the guest room at their house after like the day after christmas and being Mm. very unhappy doing it but (laughs) i did it and um i got into wake and went down to visit one day or in like april or something and it was it was like it had been like snowing in new jersey and i came down to winston and it was like 70 and sunny I was like, this is like, this is perfect. It was like the field of dreams. Like I step on, I step out, the, out of the plane. and like, this is it. Like I'm in heaven now come yeah. coming here. <laughs> and so I was like, all right, I'm I'm, I'm done. Like I'm coming awake. Um, so that was awesome. Like that was a big, like kudos to my mom for pushing the envelope on that one. Um, But yeah, so that's like, that's kind of how like my upbringing with the baseball side of things started. And when I, when I decided I want to go to wake, it was like, all right, like I've played baseball. I played high school ball. Like, it's kind of it. like it'd be great to play club maybe i'll try to play on the club team but like i was kind of content with believing mm. baseball and like kind of the rearview mirror at least in, in my <laughs> mind um
0: was that a tough and choice then my freshman you? year
2: yeah it, it was a tough choice but i honestly didn't really think i had a choice like i didn't mm. i didn't even know that there was an opportunity to not do that you okay. know what i mean like i didn't think that there was i didn't know about college analytics or even like a student manager role or anything like that. Like I had zero concept of that. Okay. So my options were like, all right, it was like playing the club team or don't do anything. And I was like, okay, I'll just love playing the club team. Like, that's fine. But it wasn't like, you know, I, I, it wasn't like I could have tried out for the team at wake. Like I wasn't nearly good enough to do that.
1: Hmm.
2: So it was kind of like, all right, like I'll I'll play for fun because it's like still something to do and make friends and meet people and whatnot. But it was not like a, I had, didn't really have the intention of, making a career out of it I always okay. knew I, I always okay I always wanted to be a GM though like that was something that I when I was growing up like I always wanted to do but yeah. then I kind of talked myself out of that as like that's just like a pie in the sky pipe dream like I'm not going to hmm. do that kind of thing and so yeah at that point like when I got to college it was like that wasn't really a focus of mine at all
0: So, yeah, I was actually going to ask something along those lines. Uh, I was going to backtrack a little bit more to when you decided that academics was going to be more of a priority than baseball. And I asked because some kids can, you know, you can juggle both. Um, But in your case, and this happens for sure in a lot of people's cases, is they can... They can achieve more things on the academic side, or at least get into maybe a better school on the academic side than they would have uh, if they were trying to play baseball uh, along with it. But for you, it sounds like you had to. And for me, this would have been a really tough decision. I imagine it would be for a lot of people to leave baseball. Was that a tough decision for you to leave baseball and say, okay, no, I'm going to academics? Like, I think I think that is you know the area in which um, it will take me a little farther in life. And like, you're, you were content, you said you were content leaving baseball, but it sounds like you didn't want to like fully leave baseball. Yeah. So
2: the, my, so I grew up in a, in a, like my parents were really heavy into academics. Like they very much cared about my grades and how I did it in school. And that mm-hmm. was always the priority for me. Like that was something that was instilled in me by them at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I like, like, school like i was never one of those kids that just did not like going to school or like dreaded class and homework and stuff like i would, i had a lot of curiosities about things gotcha. that we would learn in, in school um i went to a high school that was pretty academically challenging and i was around a lot of kids that were very motivated about their schoolwork and and it mm-hmm. sort of lifted everybody up to kind of everyone had to care if, if you didn't care about your schoolwork you wouldn't have done well you would have like gotten C's and maybe even yeah. failed out mm-hmm. so you had to like you had to have some care level there. Mm. So academics were always a, like a top priority for me. Like even they were honestly a more, more of a priority than baseball was. Okay. Um, And then when I, like, when I say I was content leaving baseball, I, like me at, at like, you know, 18 year old me going to college. Like I, I was like that. I felt like the choice was made for me. You know, like I didn't think that that was, I didn't realize there was an option to do any, anything else. Yeah. And I like, it was, the, the when I decided to not like to sort of not pursue baseball as a as a collegiate option, it was like I think it was fall or late summer of going into my senior year of high school, hmm. and I had like done the whole like senior sure, the the showcase circuit, been to like seven different camps and all this stuff, and I like I was never good at camps, like I never played well there, like what I did that like semi decently never showed up in, in a camp setting because i didn't throw hard and hit the ball hard i didn't run fast mm. like so all those kinds of things it's like okay like if you do this you're probably pretty good in college like no i did not do that so <laughs> yeah it was that was always like a frustrating experience like i was I feel like i was jamming my head against a wall and it was like i just kind of lost a little bit of enjoyment in the game honestly and the freedom to like just sort of be like all right like i'm not like the pressure of not putting more pressure on myself like I'm just going to go out and have fun and enjoy my last time playing baseball in like a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. It was really, really cool. I I loved it. I had a great time my senior year, but it was like, that was something I was totally at peace with, like just kind of okay. mo- moving on from the game in a, in a super involved way. Okay. And then that, that, that changed after my first year at Wake in a pretty big way.
0: Yes. And that's where we're going to segue because you were, you were going to say something about freshman year and then I interjected, but mm-hmm. I imagine it. this has to do with how you came about, you know, your whole, the beginning of your whole experience, you know, and involvement with yeah. Wake Forest baseball.
2: Yeah, for sure. So I get to Wake and like, I go through the fr- like freshman year or whatever, and there's like ups and downs, you know, like, like most people have, like there are some times when you feel like you're homesick or you, you know, mm-hmm. I had a girlfriend who, and I still have a girlfriend who was at she played soccer at Richmond and so I was going up to see her a lot and um you know I I felt like you know we had we've been dating since high school so there was a little bit of like a first time doing distance like there was just a lot of like kind of emotional things I wasn't yeah it was changed exactly mm-hmm. um so that was that was a little like unnerving for me I think and I I also realized at that time that like how much of a void in my life was was there without baseball yeah how much i really wanted to like how much i love the game and how much i really wanted to be a part of the game um and that was never really apparent to me until i didn't have the game as part of my life yeah so i think i really needed that time to realize for myself just how much i love baseball and how much that's an important part of my life um and so that's like when i when i got back to campus as a sophomore i was more determined to do things around baseball and be a part of something baseball related. Hmm. Um, I ended up not actually playing club baseball my freshman year. Like I ended up not doing that, but my, my way to get back around was to like, all right, I was going to play sophomore year. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to be around. I'm going to do like, you know, my own thing. I'm going to work at it. It's going to be fun. It's going to be something to do like all that stuff, whatever. Yeah. And I remember this is like, it was a tryout in, like September or something of mm-hmm. my sophomore year, my sophomore fall. And I met a guy who was also trying out for the team, but who had, had been doing some stuff with the actual baseball team, like the, the, the division one team at wake. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. Like, that's cool. And and I guess he needed, you know, a couple guys to come to practice to help with whatever they were doing. And I was like, yeah, I'll go to that. Like hundred percent. Why not? Why, why not do that? So that's how I got my kind of foot in the door with the baseball team at Wake, and and that mm-hmm. was like that fall was, you know, it was a very interesting experience. Like it was the fall before COVID, so there was a lot of like, you know, people were getting ready. It's ob- it obviously was a fall time, so there's a lot of development going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the pitching lab was relatively new at that point, so there was a lot of like hype around that and trying to feel out like what's actually like what is this thing, what is this building, like what what's going on here yeah um i didn't know really anybody on the team i didn't know any of the coaches or any of the players i barely knew that like the guys that i had just met who were doing like some tracking and some analytics stuff so it was a lot of just like
1: Mm -hmm.
2: all right like let's get my brain around what is even happening right now like what is this environment even like
0: yeah so wait what degree of knowledge did you have prior to showing up at the Wake Forest, you know, baseball field for day one of just like seeing what this is all about, because obviously you eventually kind of grew into this large role with Wake Forest. Baseball. Yeah.
2: So I knew, I knew about, I mean, like in terms of baseball stats, like I had been, I know a lot about, or I knew a lot about like just like general like statistics and baseball metrics and stuff like that okay so i knew like that those exist i knew about like fan graphs and i had i would read articles and like look at this mm. leaderboards and stuff on there baseball savant too so i like i had dabbled within it for sure yeah i didn't know anything about like a trackman device or rap or what any kind of ball tracking technology could give you mm. i don't even think i knew that those existed at that point um <laughs> but i did know about like advanced or like pseudo advanced metrics and like different ways to evaluate the game and kind of how that can impact on field performance at least at, at a major league level. Like all that stuff was very like, you know, big league driven. So I really the college game I was always a fan of, but I really didn't know like how that translated or what impact that could have.
0: It wasn't a thing in college baseball though in 20 what 192020, 20, like eh, yeah. kind kinda not really though. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you just heard little things about teams having a lab or whatever it was still pretty new I feel like and obviously things yeah you know sped up in terms of that process but what point did you know like this was what you wanted to do you wanted to get involved and this is something you wanted to to like really dedicate a lot of time to
1: so
2: I had a really good mentor is probably not the right word but the guy who was um I guess yeah mentor by me maybe is the right word who was in charge of like our little group there, like our, 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 I guess it was the analytics team. It was the inception of the analytics team really. And there were four of Mm -hmm. us and the guy that who was kind of in charge of the, of the group now is with the Red Sox. um, What's his name? And he, Sam DeNome. Okay. And he did a really good job of kind of taking me under his wing and, helping me learn how to code and how to sort of read a TrackMan CSV file, read the metrics, understand what's going on. Mm. Um, and gave me a couple projects to kind of get my feet wet with stuff. And he really did a good job of making me feel like I was a part of things and making me feel like, or making me see the sort of vast, like sea of opportunity here that, yes. that like could where, like where something could happen. Right. So, I credit him a lot with just sort of bringing me like getting me up to speed on sort of what like this environment was like and kind of where like where things could be made actionable and what we could be doing better what we do well like just what's even possible with this technology and these tools that we have Mm -hmm. um and then like I think part of it is also like I have a my personality is very much like if I do something like I kind of have to go like all the way on it like I'm not very good at just like not doing something with like all of my intent
1: so okay.
2: it was it like when I knew I wanted like if, if I was going to get involved with it like I wasn't just going to be like all right I'm just going to show up like once a week and kind of like you know just like hang out and whatever like that's not really mm-hmm. what I it's not really how I do things so I just kind of like kept going and kept like doing more and seeing more opportunities and taking advantage of those opportunities and then I just like kept kind of Going and going and going until I realized like just how much you could really do here. And I still think that like, you know, you never really actually fully conceptualize how much you can really do and how much opportunity there really is. Mm-hmm. But it just kept compounding on itself where I kept like finding new avenues to go down or new ways to think about something or new new like ways that I could develop myself and develop the program and the team and, and stuff like that.
0: Was a part of that growing the team because you said you started with four. And then yeah. fast forward to today, it's still, it's, I mean, you left, but it's still what around 20, right?
2: Yeah. I don't know what they, so our guys are doing their onboarding stuff now. I don't know what the number is going to be for the next year, but yeah, we had 20 um this past year in, in 23. So mm-hmm. that's, yeah. Like the growing the team, like that's a little bit of a, like, that's a little bit of a, of a, like it segues into a little bit of a different conversation about like, the way that the wake forest baseball evolved um okay but like the second year that i was that i was in involved with stuff so my my junior year we we went up to eight um and that's actually like if you look back at the people who are on that team like like six or or five or six of us are in professional baseball right now
0: doesn't shock me like
2: I, that like that that was a very very like high level talented group of people hmm. um that did some really cool things and I think that year was like obviously with like, the team at Wake we didn't have a very good year. Um like our season wasn't very good. Sure. Um it was also covid so it was like the the 21 season so like we like I wasn't around at all. Like I really didn't do like I don't remember being in the facility much at all that year. Hmm. Um but like our so our, the guy that who so Sam had graduated and moved on to pro ball and we brought in a guy named Chad Rains, who's with the Twins now, um, mm-hmm. and he was doing a grad program at Wake, and he kind of took the the sort of foundation that we had from the, the the prior year and and built upon it, and did a really good job building up some some of our technical resources. And I learned a lot from him about like just how to code. Like I think that that year is really where I I started to to bloom from a coding standpoint. I really got my feet wet with that side of
1: things.
0: Okay.
2: Um, and he was a really big part of that. Like he did a really good job of making that something that we all as a group um, learned about and knew that that was going to be part of our future if we were going to be successful.
0: Okay. So now I'm curious, cause you, you mentioned coding and some of the skill development piece of it. And I think that's something that a lot of people who haven't done what, you know, you did, like, it's tough for them to conceptualize, like how to even get started here. Like how, how to really insert yourself, but then also just get better at stuff. So I'm going to actually backtrack a little bit to like the first couple of things that you were doing with the team. Like, do you remember the first few little tasks and projects that you were being handed um, and like what that was like, uh, and maybe even just like the learning curve behind that. Um, If you could just like elaborate on that a little bit.
2: Yeah, no, that's a,
0: that's a good question. So the first thing I
2: ever did with like anything with the the Wake Forest baseball team was I, charted a bullpen with a radar gun and a, and just a regular old chart. Like that was first thing I ever did it was just like, all right, this was like 92.3, like fastball away. Like that was it. Okay. Um, the next, the second thing that I did, and that was, that was fall of 19. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that vividly I remember that and I remember, I forgot to turn off the radar gun and got like in trouble for not turning off the radar gun and leaving it like on in the, in the holster, like the over there. So I remember that too, like very, very much a rookie mistake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> mistake
2: um but the first like project that i did was this analysis of basically how a pitcher's like shapes change over the course of the game so it was basically like a fatigue analysis from like you know how does someone's velocity dip um how does someone's stuff change over the course of of, of the game and it really like it didn't actually end up providing us much value, hmm. but it was it was something that like, I did to kind of get my feet wet with stuff. And it was helpful for me to just kind of like, get my, like, understand what I'm working with and kind of that, like, just what exactly is going on with the, these, these metrics and stuff like that.
0: That's, a, I mean, already though, I'm thinking the level of thought and then curiosity Um, And also just kind of creativity to think about baseball in that sort of way. It's so, it's so not old school. Like, I don't know, maybe maybe people are like, hmm, I wonder, uh, I wonder like how much better a pitcher gets like as the game goes on. But no one's thinking like, okay, let's run a, what do you, what'd you call it? A fatigue analysis, you know, on pitch shapes. I mean,
2: I I that existed then. And that's like what I've determined that I was doing like after the fact but yeah like that that's where like someone like sam was a huge help because he was the one that he was like hey like this would be a good project for you to work on like try it out I was yeah. Okay, like i had no was going on like i didn't know any better um but that it like e- even though i think like what what um was important with that is that like, even though it didn't really help the team in any way which is obviously like the ultimate goal of things and, like we'll get to that later about like like mm-hmm. now, what what we do now, in, in in some ways, but I think that that just helped me get my feet wet with a lot of things. And like I I didn't like I said I didn't know you know what induced vert was or horizontal break or a spin axis spin efficient like, I didn't know what those things were, right? Like I had no like like most people, you know, you just watch a game and you're like, all right, like this is like you don't even think about it that way. Mm-hmm. So I something to get my feet wet with like okay this is what this means this is how it's changing so now it's going from x to y
0: yeah i know it's going
2: from x to y i can be able to say okay like i'm looking at a game and all right like this is x and now this is y mm-hmm. and now this is z and I was like okay like i i can kind of conceptualize what's going on here yes so it was even though like it, it it was a that those kinds of things were big for me just to like have a baseline understanding of what's actually happening yeah baseball
0: and to me you know it it's so important to highlight how much of a different view um like a critical eye has to have on the game of baseball versus the common fan you know i mean you're pretty much alluding to this but when you say you know get your feet wet it's like you're diving into a whole new ocean of you know information and just ways to look at it. I mean, it's a language. It's essentially a language that you're trying to learn and, and yeah, understand. And I think, like you said, even though it doesn't, you know, directly affect the team right now, it's like, it's helping you think in a different way because that is what analytics are like, you know, you can like understand what all the numbers mean, right? Like you can know it, but to be able to apply it or, take certain pieces of it and then like say like, okay, maybe if we make these changes, then it'll lead to something else. It's like being a real scientist in a way, like you have to know how to conduct good, you know, experiments and, and really question things and, and make changes and like also challenge, you know, the conventional wisdom sometimes. I mean, I think that is, at least in my experience, that's where I've seen the, the change, like the big changes and like the most impactful changes in the game is like people are just thinking about it in a different way so it sounds like that's kind of what it was made for you to do those little projects was like just helping you think in a completely different way about the game right and I, i would imagine is that something that you guys like kept doing and like that was something your group was kind of like aware of doing was like guys we have all this stuff but like eventually everyone's going to have all this stuff too. And we need to understand and try to figure out like how we can use it to our advantage.
2: For sure, for sure. I think like the way you put it is, is really well. Like it's, the, the data is a language, right? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's how to speak a language of the game. And our, like the lab coordinator at Wake, Mike McFerrin always says this, it's like, the, it's, it's, sub, it's subtitles on a movie. Like you watch the movie, you watch the game, but the data is like telling you what's actually happening. Like it's, okay. it's more clearly describing what your eyes are seeing, right?
1: Mm.
2: And I think that there's a, a way to ing, ing, ingrain that in, especially from like an, an analyst standpoint, like ingrain both of them together where you you learn about the game, not through data, but you learn about the game and then you use data to refine what you've already learned and refine what you're seeing. And it becomes mm. like, a sort of cyclical relationship where you see something or you see something like with your eyes or with the data, and then you try to go back and forth and you back it up with what you're seeing or what the numbers say. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, like, sort of almost like a cross validation, like relationship there, mm-hmm. where you're sort of training your eyes to see something in a different way, but then you can also like use what you're seeing to go discover something new in the data or in how it's quantified. Yes. And your point, like that's something that we tried to, take a lot of and, and try to do, especially with the new members that we were bringing on is like, give them some small tasks or onboarding projects to get them to think about the game in a certain way and be able to see some of these things in the game and then be able to speak the language of data to, you know, whoever, to the person next to them, to a coach, to a player, um, but be able to get familiar with that side of things. And then, Mm -hmm you train their eyes when they're watching a game to be able to see things and then like go back and forth. Like, okay, how can we quantify X that I'm seeing? Or, all right, what, what is this? What, like, what does this mean? Or this like, you know, a fastball that rides. Okay. That's like, that's what this looks like. Mm-hmm. And that's what it looks like. And then you kind of just go back and forth and you really train your brain to see the game in a completely different way.
0: So for your team specifically, the onboarding process was this, mm-hmm. um was this something you let anybody kind of take a, you know, take part in, or was it like, Hey, we're trying to add, you know, as many members as possible. Like we're, we're going to keep it tight. I mean, what's that like, I mean, growing a team, like, because obviously you have to be pretty strategic about it in terms of like, you're bringing someone into your family, you know, like it's, it matters or it's a big deal, I should say. For sure. So we had, we
2: had a pretty, I think, um, rigorous application process um, with the, the analytics team there at week so we had let's see I think it was four three or four steps so the first thing is like you would fill out a questionnaire and kind of like some high level information and and
1: hmm.
2: or, or and like an interest form like all right like I'm I'm John Smith I want to be a part of the Wake Forest analytics team like okay cool yeah right and then and then you have like a questionnaire of, you know, this is some basic information about me. These are my experiences. This is what I've I've already done. This is what I know about baseball. Like just kind of trying to gauge like who you are, what your skill set might be, what kind of you know, experiences have you already had? What would you need to learn should you get into the program? What would you already know? Hmm. Where would you want to fit in a certain way? what your creative brain is like, like how do you think about the game in maybe a different way? Um, or are you just like, you know, you just like baseball and you want to hang out and you want to be a part of something. And that's totally cool. Like that's what I would do. So sure. there's like a lot of different ways to be, to get in that, but that's like all we're trying to do is just assess like where where do you stand on that spectrum, right? Interesting. We would, from there we'd, get, we'd go to like a project. So we'd give the guys like a project to do or fill out something about like, you know, go create a movement plot or go do this, go do that. Like like take some data and see what you can do with it um, in a certain Mm -hmm. way. And that's kind of a way for us to assess like your competency with the data, your competency with certain tools um, and just how you think about a problem that you maybe haven't seen before. That's, that's really all that that was. Um, And the last step was an interview kind of like, you know, just like a regular zoom interview. And that's really for us to understand who the person is, and like, whether we like you, to your point, whether we want to bring someone into our family and into what we're trying to do. Hmm. Um, it's like that process grew a lot throughout the time that I was there. Um, we had a lot of people bringing great ideas, like, oh, we should do a project. Oh, we should do this. We should do that. And like, you just keep kind of adding them in. and 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 it was really like a group collective effort to get that process to be at a good step. Hmm. And then once you bring everybody on, then you do these sort of onboarding tasks and kind of lay it out for them of like, this is what, this is how we, you know, this is this, these are the other kinds of things you're going to need to be able to do to be able to help us and help our team. Yeah. So you up to speed with that as much as possible before the fall starts where it's hit the ground running, like ready, set, go.
0: Okay. Now, So I'm so curious now because I think um, one potentially big barrier to entry might be someone's um, ability to code or just use technology because i'm thinking of a guy like me played mm-hmm. you know like i look at numbers i can evaluate numbers i can apply it to like myself um pitch design or whatever it is i can't code you know what mm-hmm. i mean like I I, I I just simply don't have that skill but mm-hmm. but at least you know again this is my ego i feel like i could help I feel like I have yeah. some feel, you know, I've got, I've got an eye, right? Like it's, it's a little bit of the old school approach of like, oh, I have a good eye or I've got some feel. I know how to talk to people. Um, I feel like I'm a, a positive influence on the team. You know, someone might have all those skills, but then not have the ability to code. So, I mean, has that happened before where someone, you know, maybe they lack the, the ability to like actually do the, the, the the computing uh, on their own but they they have some some feel um like how important is that in you know maybe not like specifically for your program but how important for you is like is that for someone to to have because i feel like that might be a, uh, something that steers some people away because they're like okay shoot like i would love to work in analytics or whatever but like i don't know how to code or you know what i mean
2: oh for sure and i, I think i think the kind of person you described is like the exact kind of person that I would want on the Wake Forest analytics team. Like that's All right. like, you know, having feel, having like the ability to communicate information, the ability to like hold a conversation and just generally being like a good person is like, that's, that's very, very important. Yeah. Like that's, that's yeah. like, like the coding side of things, like you can learn that. Like I learned how to code. We've taught a lot of people how to code. Like everybody has to learn it at some point. Yes. And we did things this year more so than years past to teach people how to code and like give them like some basic information of like, this is, you know, these are the language that we use. These are so these are how you do certain things. Like as part of this onboarding task. Like this is how you do this. This is how you graph something. This is how you make a plot. This is how you s- manipulate the data in a certain way. and so there's there's our our, like at least we had a system set up where people like that who didn't have the coding experience but maybe wanted to have it could absolutely get that Mm
1: -hmm. but there's
2: also plenty of room I think for someone who doesn't necessarily want to code or doesn't necessarily know how to code to be involved in a successful analytics uh, team in, in a lot of different ways I think that that's it's an important skill for sure. And it's definitely something that I think is like a, a, a separator in, in some degrees, but it's
1: mm-hmm.
2: not in, not, not in everything. Like there's a lot of value in being able to communicate the information and relay it in a way that's easy to understand and, and, and make sense to people. And that's probably more important than being able to code like that. that that's a skill that I think it's harder to train than, than coding because you can learn like it's open source. Like that you can just download, you can go on your computer right now and download, something and just te- kind of teach yourself. And you like, yeah, I've been missing things and you might be sort of like rudimentary and kind of what you know how to do, which is like what I was for, and still am honestly, but <laughs> there's a lot of like ways to, to do it for yourself, but there's not a lot of, it's, it's a lot harder to find somebody who's got the communication skills and can conceptualize information and relay it to somebody in a, in a succinct manner.
0: So if I'm an undergrad at Wake Forest and I, the, you know, that's who I am, right? I got the feel. I don't have the coding ability. Um, If I just took like computer science 101, you know, it's like, would that be, would that probably be enough? I mean, I feel like that is something maybe uh, someone who's starting an analytics team at another school uh, from scratch, like maybe they're looking at the the computer science kids, you know, the computer science majors, if they have any interest in baseball, right? For sure.
2: No, I mean, like we, part of having a bigger group was that like we took People from a bunch of different disciplines, like mm. stats majors, science majors, math majors, math business. Um, Where were you like? I, I was accounting, so I was none of those things.
0: <laughs> of course, of course. Um,
2: yeah, but like, no, like that's the, that's not to say that that's not an important skill to have at all. Like, that's there. There are a lot of people who are, especially nowadays, who are stats majors or comp time majors that are very, very skilled technically and also very, very skilled in their communication abilities and stuff like that. And so that mm-hmm. like, there's, you know, especially at WIC, like we had a really good stats department and a lot of people that we got from there had a lot of baseline knowledge that helped a lot. And was able, they were able to make a really big impact mm-hmm. in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, I don't think it's necessarily necessary to be like, you don't have to be one of those majors. Like I wasn't one of those. Maybe we had some finance majors, some psychology majors, um, so really like it it comes from a lot of different uh, areas, like a lot of different backgrounds and, and disciplines. And I think it's just, it's all a matter of, you know, on you, like how, how willing are you to step into something that's a little bit scary that you don't really know what you're doing or how to do it. And then how willing are you to, to stick with that when it gets hard? Because it's going to get like frustrating and confusing and that's going to happen. And then it's just kind of on you, how willing you are to stick with it.
0: This is a little bit of a, uh, a left turn but how much uh, money did it take to build this team did it take funding of any kind to for this thing to start because i don't know like maybe like it, it begs the question why are more people not doing this well
2: i think to answer that like so no there was no funding really like involved like that's that you yeah. just sort of did it like you can download our from or python or whatever on the internet like that's doesn't it's not it's not a financial burden there.
0: Yeah. But
2: the one thing I'd add though is that like, you know, the tech itself is obviously very expensive. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you, you can do without technology, but the actual like, you know, a trackman, the labs, uh, the lab equipment, electronic wraps, like those those things cost money. So sure. That yeah. like so that 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 side of things is like there is a financial component to that. That obviously helps, you know, the more of that you have and the more willing you are to use it, the better kind of information and the more value you're going to get out of an analytics team.
1: Sure.
2: So there's definitely like a financial component to that side of things. But in terms of like, you know, how we kind of made like, made or why, why other people don't do kind of what we were able to do at Wake. Like, I think,
1: mm-hmm. I
2: mean, I, I don't know if I can necessarily speak to why, like to other programs and necessarily why, like, They don't do it, but I can say that at Wake, like why, why I think it worked so well and why it currently does work so well is because of the relationship that we have with our coaching staff, which I think is like primarily the most important thing that you can do if you're on an analytics side of things or on on that side of things is, you know, like we work really, really closely with our pitching coach, Corey Mascara, who's an awesome, awesome guy and really, really was a driver of, of a lot of the stuff that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike McFarland, I mentioned lab coordinator, Billy Salento, Matt Wessinger, Tom Walter, obviously like the whole staff. Like we were, we were very, very close with them and did a lot of stuff for, for them and with them and, and spent a lot of time with them. And that I think is the biggest reason why we were able to be successful with that.
0: Okay. You know, it makes sense because to me, I think plenty of teams have enough technology, at least baseline level. To start something here, it doesn't have, you know, not everyone's gonna have the pitching lab. Maybe in like 20 years, a lot more people yeah. have pitching labs. You know, you're starting to see a couple being added, but yeah, they're coming you know,
2: they're coming for sure.
0: Aside from a pitching lab, you can do a lot with just like a trackman or episode maybe an edutronic if you want to get crazy, like with uh like high speed and like, you know, ball releases and angles and stuff like that. But it seems like. The big thing was the coaches, the coaches being on board and letting you guys, you know, get your hands on players and the data and trying to, you know, I think take a burden off of them, honestly, because I'm thinking of like pitching coaches, especially. I mean, if they're like one pitching coach and they don't have an assistant, like with a volley who also helps with it, it's like, it's pretty much just them for a whole staff. Right. Like, that's bonkers. Right. And for you guys to have as many people as you did working with pitchers and helping and like making all these like projects, you know, come to fruition and like, uh, I mean, just, just helping these pitchers out. It's almost like being a professional in college. Like it's, it's wild. So, I mean, it obviously makes sense why you guys were successful, but to me, it's like, why would a coach not invite that so heavily? I just think it's, you know, it it makes a lot of sense. Like, why it worked because the coaches is really where it starts. It, ta- it takes 100%. those forward thinking sort of coaches to accept the importance of technology in this game. Um, okay. I don't even know where I was going with that, but like, I just, no. Started- you're
2: right. Like it it, it, it starts with the coaches. absolutely starts yeah. with the. It's like, there's nothing that you can really do on an analytics side of things that will have any value in my opinion, at least if you don't have buy-in from the coaches, like if, if, if you don't, for hmm. Not working with them if you're doing sort of your own thing or flying flying solo in some ways like that's, that's that might be great for you and and your like own personal benefit and that's totally fine like there's nothing wrong with doing that yeah right? because a lot of people that do that and they're really successful at it and they get a lot of jobs in pro ball from doing that and that's fantastic right yes but the impact on the actual team on the field in my opinion has to start with the
1: coaches
0: mm-hmm. you know um I just thought of this right now. I would imagine pitch calling is like a huge thing you guys looked into. Right. Okay. Because I, I mean, you know, I'm not going to rat anybody out here, but there's plenty of coaches who are like, Oh no, no. I call the pitches. I know what to do. Like it's, I've been doing this forever. Like I know how to call pitches. You know, I know my pitchers. I know it works. Like I've, I've got it, you know, I don't need the data or whatever. It's like, okay. And some can be very successful doing that. I totally agree. Like that's, that's fine. Yeah, totally. but, and there's a layer to this too that I'll add um, after, but it just, it it surprises me, you know, whenever I hear that or see that, because it's like, why would we not use the data for pitch calling? So, I I mean, you guys had a lot of involvement in that. Like, what did that look like for you guys? Because that could be something that's a little bit like, Hey, we, uh, we think you guys should be doing, it's like, you know, and a coach might be like, "Mm, nah, I'll just, I'll do it my way. You yeah. Know?
2: Well, I think that it just gets back to kind of what we talked about before with like it working backwards from the coaches to the analysts is like,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: Corey at, at Wake had a really like a good process for how he went about evaluating hitters. And we were able to help him out with automating some of the things that he was doing and, you know, building out some reports that maybe a little bit more efficiently or adding some color, a little bit more detail in certain areas, mm. uh, to just make the process more efficient, like he has a really, really to your point, has a really good feel for calling the game, a really good feel for what the situation dictates, and and you know what what the right pitch in the right situation is. But it's obviously like there's there's a lot of information that goes into that, and that kind of helps to shape you know what what makes that the right decision in, in the right the right situation. Yeah, but again, it comes back from like he has a process, and we're just going to help him do that process a little bit more efficiently, a little bit better. A little bit like yeah. little precise in certain ways. Uh-huh. Um, and then from there, it's like, okay, you know, we can maybe build out a little bit more over here or do add a little more things over here.
0: Um, yes, yes.
2: You from that structure and that has to come from the coach. Because if, if I were to go to, to a new coach or something, I didn't really know and be like, hey, I think this guy should do this. Here's why. There's a lot There's a pretty good chance that I would get some pushback on that because there's no like relationship or connection there. Right? But one, once yeah. you have that foundation and you've worked with someone and you've kind of been able to build up that trust and you've done, you've, you've like worked within their system, you like, it's a lot easier for someone to go and be like, Hey, what if we added this? Or like, what if we thought about this? And you are a lot more likely to get a positive response to that, or at least a willingness to try mm-hmm. if you've already bought into what's what, what we're doing.
0: Yes. Okay. You're making a really important distinction that I was kind of like the other side of it, which is like, um, I'm bringing up this common idea that is very archaic that like there's the feel level. And then there's like the analytics side and they're like two separate systems that are mutually exclusive and can't work together. But as you've said now, and then earlier that they are one and that they work together very much so, and they are usually better when they work together. And Yeah. I think in the future, we'll definitely see a lot more of that, a lot more combinations, you know, working together on that, as opposed to like, no, my way, my way, my way. Like, I mean, you're already seeing in the pro ball scene. And I think that's, um, well, I do know, I know that's what I'm alluding to is um, especially with like catchers calling games or just using technology and, you know, what the analytics say uh, for your benefit. I mean, like uh, for example, pitching coach calls the game in college catcher who's amazing and goes pro has to go uh call his own game but he hasn't done that for the last two three years because the coach is kind of doing it right and the coach could do it but if it's just like hey like fastball away it's like okay great but there's more to that it's like okay, why fastball away, you know, in this count? Yeah. Like, you can you can teach along the way while still doing, like, your thing. Um, mm-hmm. For sure. But in the same vein, like, you could totally, like, shut out your catcher and, like, not, sh- like, kind of show them what's going on, you know, behind the scenes and, like, what you're thinking. And, like, that that's a pretty big handicap on, like, a player's development. Like, for a catcher to have to come in the pro scene and, like, learn how to call pitches, kind of after not doing it for a couple of years at that high of a level, the highest level that they've been at versus a guy who he's been calling pitches for the last three years, or he's, he understands how to call pitches. Maybe he's not doing the direct calling, but maybe he is like the value for that catcher through the roof, through the roof, I would think. So I don't know. Like, yeah, you're making a great point about how it's, you know, they're one in the same. They're not, they're not separate. Absolutely. So,
2: absolutely. I think you get, you kind of feel with the, like it just sort of makes you have better feel in in a lot of ways The the data. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I think uh, something we should, should hit on too is that it's, it's not just the pitching, like the hitting side of it too. I feel like is, it's a little bit murky right now because you see a lot of uh, different perspectives on like the hitting side. And I personally don't know really how you like implement a ton of technology into the hitting side. Can you, can you like kind of dive a little bit into that? Like what that looked like for the hitters? Um, yeah. Because I'm so naive. I don't know anything about like what the hitters did.
2: So no, that's a good point. Like I, I, I'm a little bit naive too on that. Like I don't really have like a, it, most of my like or a, a good part of my experience and expertise was in the lab on, on on the pitching side of things but okay like from from a hitting standpoint like you know billy and wes do a really really great job with the hitters that, that we had and they'd like hmm. do a great job with game planning and, and and developmentally as well and you know making it hard for guys and having to having them have to get better by facing good pitching and, and stuff like that and, and challenging them in their bp and that kind of thing. And like from a, from a data standpoint, a lot of what we did or most of what we did was on the scouting side of things and trying to help our hitters in the best way possible for the guy that that they're going to face. Yeah. Kind of just helping, you know, whether, whatever that may be, whatever that looks like for, you know, for them, like just how can we best prepare our guys for the guy that they're going to face.
0: Now I'm curious because I want to dive into like first the fall and then also during the season, like what it looked like preparing for series. Um, during the season, but in the fall, because I remember talking to Tom about this, how uh, he makes it very clear that there's, um, there's a time and place for when we're working on biomechanics, pitch data, development, whatever you want to, you know, label that, uh, that side. Uh, and then there's like mm-hmm. the competing side, you know, like we're on the field, okay. like we're trying to get outs on the mound, like trying to get bases as a hitter or do our job, you know, as a hitter. Um Can you just like walk through like what the fall was kind of like? Um, And I know that's kind of like a big ask, but like for you, what your, what your main objectives were in a fall?
2: Yeah, I think a lot of what happens in the fall is a big component from a data side of things is just like strictly data collection and like being able to ingest a bunch of information and then presented it and disseminate it in a way that that's a timely and b makes sense and can like be communicated to a player or by a coach to a player mm. about their performance yeah. right in a way that's objective and makes sense and kind of gives them a benchmark or a barometer of like hey this was my outing that x day i was this good at this 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 and this these are the areas of improvement like let's go work on that kind of thing so i think most of the fall is just like, all right, we we have a bunch of different things to collect. um, Whether it's a bullpen, whether it's scrimmage, whether it's practice, like there's a lot of different domains to cover, Yeah. but a lot of it's like, we're just going to ingest this information and give it back in the way that makes the most sense. And we had a pretty good system set up this past fall, having been in like the sort of new staff environment for for a year Mm. um, to know like, you know, what are we tracking? What's important? again what do, what do our coaches value right what's in, what's important to track how can we figure out a way to to take that information and present it in a way that's easy to understand and make sense and is like comparable yeah. right and then you know that 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 can be track main information that can be biomechanical information that can be something as simple as like a manual track something with a stopwatch or like you know that kpi that you that you set that your you know your coach cares about like it just it doesn't it can be as like you know one range of the spectrum of the other like it doesn't have to be the most complicated system right yeah But as long as long you can just synthesize all little information and just get it in into your system then you kind of you have a the framework for a lot of development but be a good barometer of where each guy stands in a bunch of different categories and where the opportunities of
1: improvement are
0: okay so let's let's talk about the pitching lab now because i'm trying to think uh you know you're breaking down a lot of these things uh, about like what you're evaluating like all the data that you're collecting but um is there something you cross reference that with you said is there a database that you guys have for yourself like what does that look like because i know you know there's the data collection part but then there's the evaluation piece it's like we got to compare it to something or we got to have something to kind of uh really evaluate yeah, sure. what we're seeing and collecting
2: for sure for sure so i think like just on like so after you collect everything and like this is an ongoing process like there isn't like like development isn't like you know all right this is the time like it doesn't not like a, it's a point in time right like yeah we do we did a really good job i think of and this is again this is Corey and mike more so than than anybody else of and and obviously the rest of the staff but like mm-hmm. of separating like Walt was saying like the the compete from the development and then like you know we can we can merge them but for the player it's like the focus is getting somebody out and we can use the info that we collect from that time to develop but it's about the focus for the player of like are we are are we you know how are we going to get this hitter out in this time constraint in this like xyz constraint Mm. right we're we're trying to get the hitter out
0: Okay and,
2: and like, as we're doing that, we're collecting all the data, and then you know, like so that that to get to the the question you actually asked, um, that so we don't have a database. i I would like for there to be a database, but I think that's that's you know it, it's a little bit of a bigger project than I, at least I we had, we had tried to do that at one point. We had a couple of grad students who did some that did a really great job trying to look into that and see if that was something feasible.
0: That's a massive undertaking, isn't it?
2: A, a massive undertaking, yeah. And it's probably not it, the the way in which you'd have to do that would almost be like, like it almost would outweigh the benefit you get from it. Like the cost to do it would almost outweigh the benefit of having it. Sure. Like, I I think it's you know I I think it's a really good tool and in, in a like I I'd, I'd like for that to be the case, but but mm-hmm. you know our data was a little bit of like you know it, it wasn't quite as structured as a a database would would necessarily be which is probably not not the best thing but (laughs) but we did so we we would do a lot of comparisons right of you know a player to himself a player to other players in college baseball a player to the like the league as a whole um and anything we could do to add context to what we were collecting and what we were tracking Mm. we would try to do that
0: okay and I'm thinking right now specifically of the biomechanics stuff. I remember Tom talking a little bit along the lines of like, you know, how experimental that is and how they, they really do prioritize like, oh no, there's there's like some serious things that we look for, you know, whether it's like ankle mobility or whatever, like, you know, like little things, you know, mm-hmm. that, that pertain to biomechanics where I'm thinking like, okay maybe you can spot the deficiencies um, but like how do you go about like how do you go about fixing that and I I mean I guess he kind of alluded a little bit to it with like the trainers can help you know on that side um, but in terms of like implementing that into you know the changes on a mound and like uh, seeing how that works is that all that it is is just like bullpens and experimentation and just like just like seeing what the player is like feeling and like just seeing what the pitches look like, you know, when, when you're trying to make differences, is that really what it is? Like just a bunch of experimentation.
2: So, yeah. So we usually work from ball flight backwards where we like, we look at like kind of what the pitch is doing and then try to see how, like, you know, what's, what's changing when we get the shape that we want versus the shape that we don't want. Um, And then Mm -hmm. like, like how we go about actually making those changes. That's where like Corey, Mike, and are really, really good at those kinds of things of making developmental changes, putting constraints in an environment, getting drills for guys, like whatever, whatever you could think about, like, they're really good at that. And that's, that's like, you know, ultimately where a lot of the value lies, right? Because it's one thing to point out that something like, Hey, we should do this better. Yeah. To be able to get somebody to do that better.
0: Hmm. Can we get an example? Is there any it, – it could be a guy that maybe, like, got drafted this year or something, like someone who's not, you know, currently on the team or whatever, because I'm trying to think, like, maybe that guy on the team, like, maybe, maybe the, the college coaches haven't really caught up yet, but I, I can assure you the, the pro orgs are already doing scouting reports on everybody. So, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I'm just thinking, like, uh, what, like, Rhett. Um, God, what are their arms? Like, Man- Manasi. I mean, like, I'm just trying to think, like – just to like really illustrate like um, how like a small change can like lead to something that like is effective, like actually in the game. Um, Cause I feel like it's hard for some, some people, especially like younger listeners, like people who are, don't have like the the advanced like knowledge of like what this, what the impacts of this can be. Um, It might be tough for them to like grasp like, Oh yeah. With so-and-so we did this and this helped here. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let me.
2: So I don't know if like I can give you like a like a a, a scenario. Yeah, 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 yeah. In my mind, so like, let's say there's somebody who you know, it's like, carries a fastball really well sometimes, and then sometimes it's not it's not as well. Like okay. maybe they're like you know at their best. I mean, maybe their spreads really big. Maybe they can get down to like fourteen inches of vert on their fastball or up to like 20 right and so the spread's really big and if we can get that guy into the 17 to 20 range all the time yes like that's where we want right okay so maybe we can look and see like you know how like what's what's changing on those different pitches what's like you know what's the the not what's the non-common denominator in in that yeah and then like you know maybe it's this is just a hypothetical like maybe it's stride length Right. So let's say maybe we're striding longer when we're, I, I this is like totally made up, but like maybe we're, yeah, striding yeah. When we're at 14 and then shorter when we're at, you know, 18, 19, 20. So then it's like, okay, like how do you go about actually implementing that? And then if you can get the guy to actually get to the, the you know, the, the level that you want, then you start to see the ball flight be more consistent and you start to see the results that you want with, with that, that mm-hmm. play. So that's kind of like the ball flight backwards concept. That's how that kind of actually plays out.
0: I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, obviously the ball flight is what matters the most. And then you kind of just reverse engineer from there. Um Wait, so-, so what's your role? What was your role in that with uh wake in terms of are you the guy like with the iPad just standing right behind saying, like, okay, yeah, let's shorten that by, like, two inches, you know, like, you, you're like, what, what What was your, like, uh, what was yeah. your involvement in that? So, a couple of different
2: avenues, I think, from that standpoint, like, one of them is, you know, at at and sometimes, yes, I was, like, the guy with the iPad behind, sometimes that would be Corey or Mike or whoever, hmm. um, but we usually would have a couple of guys from the analytics team at each bullpen, Um, charting some different things Um, and then like in the actual development process like the role of and I wouldn't say it's necessarily my role I would say it's the analytics team's role Mm -hmm. is to build a system that gives that information to Corey and Mike and whoever in the way that they can best use it or in the way that allows them to look at that problem and be able to answer it with the right solution okay so it's about like giving them the tools to make that comparison, for example, or the tools to figure out where to look with a guy who might be inconsistent with some of his ball flight metrics. Mm -hmm. That's kind of where our best role comes into play. And then from an an interpretation standpoint, it's like, okay, like I'm seeing this, I'm seeing X change and I'm seeing Y change. Maybe they're correlated, maybe they're not correlated. Maybe one's not causal, whatever. But Mm -hmm. like, let's like, this is at least worth investigating something like that. I see. So it's really it's about the structure and the way you can make this reproducible so that it can answer a bunch of different questions you have about a guy.
0: Okay. Gotcha. In your experience, um, does inconsistency come up more often than, than most things in terms of, okay, this guy doesn't have an ideal X, whatever it is. Hmm. It's probably leading to some inconsistency in Y. Right. Yeah,
2: I think that's, I think that's, that's true. I think that's, that's, that's definitely something that happens. I think it's, you know, you see a lot of guys where maybe they do something really special, especially at that level. Like most players at that level do something really well to get them there, mm-hmm. especially relative to their peers, right? Like they're doing something that makes you unique compared to the guy next to you. Yeah. Uh, so it's like, okay, like, yes, we see, like, you know, we have, first, you have to identify what that is right and then like how do you build something around that that can like you know keep they like, not diminish the uniqueness of this but build up the external or the the other maybe other pitches maybe other parts of the of the delivery mm-hmm. whatever it is while still elevating or at least not diminishing the thing that they do really well yeah they it.
0: they got to complement each other yeah yeah okay yeah, that's interesting, and I think that's a philosophy that, especially on the pro side, we first saw with Tampa Bay Rays. I mm-hmm. could be wrong, but I feel like the Rays were the ones that kind of spearheaded this. Like, all right, we're looking for a guy who has something special about him, and then from that, like, we're just going to make him really good at that.
2: Yeah, totally. You know, and you see, like, I remember in like the World Series a couple years ago, like the arm, the, the clock with the arm slots on it.
0: Oh like, my gosh, yeah.
2: Like that's a that's a prime example of like, you know, you just want somebody that's different from the guy next to them, but they do something really well from whatever slot that is.
0: Mm. And it's
1: one
2: thing to have a bunch of guys come out and throw, throw 95 with 20, and it's like, you know, right after right after right, like the same thing. And it's another thing to have like all the different possible looks and variations, and you can you can be a little bit more diverse with the looks you're giving guys.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting because now we're talking about uh, just the construction of a pitching staff. Yeah. um like there it's it's funny to me how many um and i hate to use this word you know stock righties you see like okay. in college baseball it's like okay yeah he uh you know he's got a good a decent fastball it's like 88 91 you know he's got a you know, maybe an okay like slurry slider and then he's got a fadey changeup. and it's like okay um Maybe like five, six years ago, if that guy could just like locate really well, like decently well, one to two of those pitches that night, like he could probably get through like seven innings and like carve up some guys. And you know, more more often than not, on a Friday night, Mm -hmm. now it's like, oh no, we need the guy like with electric stuff, and it's got to be unique, you know, especially at the highest levels. Right? It's there's just like stock just doesn't work anymore, like because it's it's so prevalent, like it's so common for the hitter to see. So now I'm thinking about it for like high schoolers, like, cause high schoolers, you know, obviously these days, they're all about like, oh yeah, I need to just like throw 90 or 94 or whatever. And then I'll get recruited. It's like, it's like, if you're 94, like is like really easy to track and it's flat, like, mm, is it, is it good enough? Like, maybe it's not, maybe you want to be 89 with like turbo sync like maybe that works you know
2: yeah like it's definitely a conversation to have about the outlier characteristics of somebody beyond just velocity
0: mm-hmm.
2: like that definitely at, at, at all levels right like that's and velocity can be the outlier right like you like that's oh that's yeah like, yeah you know, 100 is like you know that that covers up a lot of other things that may not be so great but yeah it's it's you know looking at the whole profile and then figuring out yeah where somebody's different like okay like let's not let's do let's not do something that's gonna make them average. It's gonna take what they do really well or that's unique and make it less unique, right? Like let's play mm-hmm. into that. And to your point, like yeah, as a high schooler, like there's probably a lot of guys that get coached out of things they do really well for whatever reason, for like trying to chase velocity, trying to chase something else. Like, yeah, that's that's I'm that that happens and to some degree.
0: Well, frankly, it's because of the. um the growing sector of and no, this is not no knock on on these types of people, or the this little sector, but it's the third party, like, kind of um pitching dojos that you got where it's like, and again, these are great places, they teach p- players a lot of great things. But um, you know, I don't even I don't even have to really name them. I mean, like, we all know the names of them. It's really more right. just like some and again, it's not all, you know, I personally, actually like driveline tread, Um, I'm going to assume like Cressy too. I think like, those are like three that are really good about individualizing. Like they're very, they're, they're very forward thinking on that. But I have also seen ones where they're a little bit more cookie cutter. And I'm like, why would I go somewhere where they teach every player the same exact thing? Like that just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Right. And right. I've also, I, but I've also carried that philosophy my entire life, you know, when someone's like, no, you need to be this guy so that we can kind of, you know, box you in with like, oh, this you're you're going to be just like him. And it's like, mm, but I can also do these other things too. And I think that makes me pretty special, actually. Like uh, it makes me not even special, just a little different from this guy. So uh, I, yeah, I just think like, it's kind of funny where like, you you see, you see those people who are kind of like teaching like the same thing for everybody. And it it just makes me like kind of laugh because it's like, you're, you are probably coaching some kids out of like, them having these natural proclivities to do a certain thing that'll actually help them if they just get really good at that thing, whether or not it disagrees, you know, or contrasts what you're promoting, you know? So, um, but on the similar similar side, and this is a rant that I'm still going on, there's kids that don't have that that unique thing about them. And (laughs) it's hard for them to figure out or find or even obtain a unique like quality about them. So now I'm asking you, do you think every player now that's actually kind of a stretch is every player capable of having a a level of uniqueness about them that is, that is valuable.
2: Yeah. I think, I think after a certain level, yes. I don't, I think, I don't think you get to a certain level of competition without having something that makes you good or something that makes you to get there.
0: That's a fair answer.
2: That might change. Like, you know, College to pro, like what made you really unique in college might not be that good in in pro ball. And so that might change. Right. Mm -hmm. But I do think that there is something about a player at like the higher levels of, you know, college and obviously professionally where like they do something really well that's gotten them here and that's been able to get guys out to get them here. And they might, it might be. It might not be like a pitch shape. It might be like your mentality or your compete or your attitude on the mound and stuff like that. It might, it might be your delivery. Mm-hmm. It might be it might be your pitch shapes. It might be your usage. There's a lot of different ways to get something that's unique. Like, I think we, like, you know, unique necessarily for me doesn't mean like a guy that throws from his ankles, right? Like that's yeah. not, there's a lot of different ways to be unique. Then it could be the way your pitches p- pair together. Like that could be unique, right? It, it could be the different, pitches you throw it could be your delivery it could be the the way you handle yourself on the mound the pace at which you play all that kind of stuff like that can all be mm-hmm. a way to be unique yeah and yeah i think it, after a certain level like you've got to have something that gets you where you were or where you are mm-hmm. so it's got to there's something that, that you do really well that other people don't or that you do better than the average person that you're with
0: this is so funny because i'm just thinking about like <laughs> Like when I was in high school, the like um just this concept of like, okay, yeah, like I just need to keep throwing harder and just keep getting bigger, just throwing harder, and then just learn how to, you know, throw a curveball and eventually a slider and a changeup and just keep like throwing more pitches and just yeah, if I can just keep throwing more pitches and just keep throwing harder, like yeah, things will be good. You know, it was so <laughs> aimless and so basic. Yeah. And total. even even today, even today, I think it, you know, a kid with um some some knowledge of uh, tunneling for example like oh if i throw a four seam at the top of the zone and then a curveball off of that toward the bottom of the zone like that should be effective and mm-hmm. i maybe maybe a little while ago like that was the forward thinking deal and now right. it's like that's already such a like um basic like thought or just right. approach to to pitch designer or a player's makeup you know so i mean i'm just thinking about how many layers there really are to it you know like you're mentioning with like how some like how many different components of like a way somebody throws (laughs) (laughs) like that's crazy it's it's so funny to me and uh but but then again on the college side like you just kind of need to to pay attention to it right like it's not it's not this big, crazy thing. You just have to like dedicate some time to paying attention to it. Yeah,
2: You have to be able, I think you have to be able to identify it and quantify it in a certain way. Cause you don't like Mm. the word unique or just like the concept of uniqueness is relative, right? Like you need to have something to compare it to, to know that you're not that. Mm -hmm. Have to have a business of like, okay, what is like, it's different. Okay. From what, like, how do we, how can we make that comparison if we don't know what the rest of the league does or what like, Mm what actually is average or not average or outlier in one, one way or another. Yeah. Especially in college. Like that's the, the biggest understanding in my opinion, the hurdle is like, so we know that this guy does X, right. Is that good, bad in between average Me, Like you have no idea. It's like, how do, how do you actually put a number to the uniqueness of that person? Or at least, at least maybe not even a number, but like some context to Hmm. where like, where this guy is and how unique what he does is in all these different areas, and then you yeah. can at least to build a profile. Like, okay, we know he does X really well. We know he does Y really well. We know that Z is like really average, or like really, really, really like median for what the the average hitter sees. Right. Okay, so that we're gonna play into X and Y. Like this is what this guy does that makes him really special. Mm. And the guy, without the context, it's like okay, he does X, Y, and Z good, bad. I have no idea. Like, sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
2: I think that in, especially at the college level, the understanding of the, the greater environment in which you're operating is, is really important.
0: I'm thinking of guys right now with like dead zone fastballs, but they're still like just absolute workhorses in college baseball, like who just get results, you know, they can just like pitch their way through seven innings and like keep their team in the game, like all the time. And it's funny, cause like we're alluding to how there's so many, you know, variables. And I think it's funny how the ball data is like, it's it's kind of the biggest one right now, you know, in, a, in right. a bit of, right? Like it's, oh, he's got 20 vert. Oh my God. He's a yeah. unicorn fastball. It's yeah. amazing. Like he's got 20 and zero, like cut ride. Yes, like we we love that. That's yeah. perfect, you know? But okay. then again, like, maybe it's coming at an angle that totally takes away that vert. Like, yeah. I, I can think of a guy right now uh, who I played with last year who, um, I mean, his, I don't even know what his VAA was, but his release height was, like, through the roof. It was, like, almost seven feet high. Like, this yeah. man was an iron mic, And, yeah. but his vert was elite. It was plus. Like, yeah. consistently plus exactly. vert. Yeah. And... He also had a plus sl- like a plus slider that tunneled off it so it made sense why the slider worked so well but the fastball wasn't because of you know the angle right like just another variable that we're considering the angle right. is what made that unique variable so bad he made some changes now this guy is just an absolute beast because he's yeah. i think he's releasing a little lower a little flatter right he's getting that mm-hmm. kimberl effect of yeah, uh, the rise sure. yeah and yeah it's just it's funny because i'm thinking of uh i'm thinking of like you know you might see on a track man right you might look at a track man and it's like 20 vert all right yeah that's only fastball right. yeah we're good we don't we don't got to touch that right. one don't got to touch right. that one That that's perfect and then it's like double 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 like
2: yeah like you're getting waffled around the yard
0: yeah so like i don't know maybe it's just a slow kind of progression of like okay like he's got 20 vert on his fastball but maybe he's got like five foot five extension or oh no he has like no vert you know he's like it, it's kind of a dead zony fastball but he's got mm-hmm. seven foot extension oh right, okay let's use that like right. it, it goes it goes both ways so i mean i don't know i'm trying to think of like a way that like college baseball can like really um like on a on a wide scale kind of like be able to use all these variables. But then again, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm being short-sighted about like the level of, uh, of knowledge in college baseball that, that pertains to this. It's just, I've seen in college baseball guys, you know, they go through it and then they don't develop or whatever because like, you know, maybe on a couple of variables. They're, they're pretty unique, but then on another totally other subset, it's like, no, it's actually like not very good because of these other right. things that you're not doing super well. you know so i don't know like i am kind of curious though about your experience with with that maybe if you've gotten a guy where you're like okay like he doesn't do anything like special like what's what what do we what do we do
1: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah i think you know there are there are different ways to kind of make somebody unique in in different ways or at Mm -hmm. least like play up something that they already do like i i think you know, part of this is obviously Wake Forest is a, like a in the ACC like a good baseball program even even before this year. So like the talent yeah. level in there is like pretty good already. So there's usually like at least relative to your competition, like there's some something you can kind of try to play up. Mm. And if there's not, then you know there's the like they probably aren't going to pitch very much, or yeah. I guess kind of the reality of it, right? So, but to to the point you're making before, like I think when you're talking about like different variables and like, what's good, what's not good. Like it's, it's important to understand like what actually contributes to getting the results that you want. Like what, which of those variables are noise, which of them are actually really important to getting hmm. it out, getting a missing a barrel or whatever you're trying to do. Hmm. And that also like, that can help you sort of figure out like, okay, maybe we're really unique in one area, but then in, that, in like the most important couple categories, like we're not doing so hot. It's like, okay, like how do we best use the 20 vert that you're saying or like the the release height through the moon? How do we best use that Mm. given the other constraints that we have of this guy's delivery and X, Y, Z, you know, where he is and these other different metrics to make him into a better version of himself?
0: Gotcha. Yes, yes. I'm (laughs) reminiscing a little bit on some of the variables that I would pay attention to when I was first introduced to a lot of the technology I mean, spin rate was the one the at thing, the beginning, yeah. right? It was the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I I remember uh, it was like my first bullpen, I think, with Tulane actually, and I noticed like my spin rates on my sinker were just like so low, and they're like, yeah, all right, it's kind of low, you know. Should probably we need to work to get that up, you know? I'm like, no, it's like outlier low. Yeah, like we're talking like change changeup spin low, like. It's low.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Why are we changing that? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Like that's, that's so funny. Um, what is, what has that been like for you in terms of um, the, the variables that you like to pay attention to or how that's changed over time as you've grown in your knowledge of the game and then also yeah. just the whole, the whole analytics side uh, and all the different variables that come with that.
2: For sure. No, like, I think, you know, to what we talked about before, like I came in very green, like no idea of what any of this stuff was at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through Sam and Chad and some of the guys on our team, like, you know, with Nihar Mascara, who's done a lot of great work with us with the twins now, Um, guys like that, Joey Mila with the Orioles. Like we have a lot of guys who are really, really smart and like, just through osmosis like you pick up on certain things or like oh like maybe this is important maybe that's important mm. but coming in it's like you know it's a really blank slate of like this is like you know okay spin rate yeah like that sure that's that's what we care about like you rip a 3000 slider like that's great yeah uh, but no it's definitely evolved and i think gotten more precise as my time with wake has has developed and you know and into developing a better understanding of what actually contributes to getting outs. Well, a, hmm. I guess what, what contributes to it's to like another metric. So like how you can derive one metric from other ones Ooh. and what the, the interrelationship is between those. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's a really important thing to understand. Yes. Uh, and then also, you know, individually what all those metrics contribute to the result that you want to get and how, you know, what actually drives the result. Cause ultimately like that's like, you could have a great track man plot, but if you can't get the out, like, that doesn't matter, right? Like we care about getting out, so we gotta right. know actually helps us get the outs. Yeah, and then, you know that you can you like it, it, it refines some things for me for sure, and then you can kind of try to like, you know, measure your own things. Like I see this in like oh you know what's like that look different. Like that's not something about that's not reflected on here,
1: mm. on, on the
2: track man. Right? Like how do we how do we measure that or how like what's going on there? Like how do we quantify? What's going on there and then you can kind of build your own sort of metrics or like own systems off of that so it's been like a very Mm. evolving course but i think it's all you know necessary to build the level of understanding that that we had there for sure
0: okay so let me get this straight because i'm i'm a player first so i'm always looking at like the process kind of oriented variables yeah. Oh, horizontal and vertical breaks and VAA and like all the, you know, release high, release side, all those little right. things. But then there's the whole other side uh, that are the result kind of oriented things, which is, you know, like, like we're talking about, like, that's what matters. You know, that's, right. that's the, the goal is like improving those. Right. So for you, it's combining the two. It's saying yeah. like, oh, we need to look at these, the, the process part and then see how it works with the the result part. And then what can we, what can we change, you know, in the process to help the the result part. Right.
2: Exactly. exactly. Okay. 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 Yeah. Like, I think that's, I I don't think you, I don't think you really truly like the the point objects, the object of the game, right. Is to get guys out. Like it is to not give up runs. Yes. And so I think that always needs to be in the frame or in discussion about this stuff is like, you know, ultimately we're chasing something on a track man because it's going to help us do this better. Right. Because it's going to, yeah. it's going to help us get the hitter out. And so, yeah, that's, it's like, you know, you need to and again, like I, I go back to Corey and Mike are really big on this stuff from the, from the pitching standpoint and, and, you know, Billy and Walt and Wes are also just like that whole environment is like, okay, well the object is to get, is to get the hitter out or to get a hit right? Like on either side. And so like everything that we do from a data standpoint has to serve that purpose in some Mm. way. So if we can prove that do that, like, you know, one of these metrics or a few of these metrics are really important to doing this. Like if you, if you can do this really well, your probability of a successful outcome is X, Y, Z better by this, then like, then we know that that we're actually focusing on the right thing and we're caring about, but otherwise, we're sort of chasing something that we think might be valuable but you don't really know or you don't or you don't know for the level you're at right like it's a little bit different college to pro um so yeah so it's it's about i think at least in my my opinion like working like working backwards from the result to figure out how you're going to get a better result Mm -hmm. i think that's so that's kind of what what seemed to work well for us.
0: That's a great distinction between college and pro, though, because mm-hmm. college obviously it's very result oriented in terms of like guys like we need to win, you know, like that's yeah, what sure. like that's that's what we're here for. Whereas pro, it is so development based that you can be in the minors with like a four or five ERA, but if you're making changes that are aligning with um, you know, some some goals some future goals that they want to they want you to kind of like work toward and you're you're starting to fit the bill of where they want to project you out to be you know Mm -hmm. in the future then it's like you're doing your job like you are doing your job like it's so different you know it's like if you for example like just to really illustrate it right if um if i have a sinker You know, and I can, instead of having six vert on average, I can have three vert or two vert or zero vert on average. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, well, our model, you know, says, or general models would say that's a better sinker or that, that is a, you know, the stuff is better and those should yield better results. So keep working at that. Keep having a low uh, vert sinker and like keep throwing it in the areas that we want you to throw it. And good things should happen right now right. eventually that four or five year array can't you know it should you know level out it should get better right because of that because you're doing more of that or just on that pitch the number should be better eventually and For if sure. they're not then then maybe we make an adjustment but college you it's kind of hard to do a lot of that
2: yeah totally and i think the, like the timeline is very different too in college because like you're playing a 50 60 game sprint right with you yeah. know just you got to win every day like that's kind of the the mindset right and and mm-hmm. to your point of football it's it's at least from you know you have more experience here than i do but from what i've gathered like it's it's it is very it's very de- developmentally oriented and, and it, mm-hmm. the time frame is way longer so the the aspect of that is 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 for sure uh prevalent here in that in that way and the game's different too like yeah it's a, the gameplay itself is very different like different bats different strike zones especially in the mind like The automated strike zone, the challenge system, like the ball is different. Mm -hmm. All this—it's just a very different environment, for sure.
0: Yeah. Now, okay. Well, now I want to dive into the you know your experience so far with the Blue Jays Mm because obviously you've been with them now. What is this? You're going into like your third week or something? I'm going into week five. Five. Oh, geez. Okay. Shoot. Okay. My bad. Week five. Yeah. Week. When that draft camp end? We uh.
2: Ours was longer than I think a lot of other teams. I think it was okay. maybe not last, not not this past week, the week before that.
0: Okay. That's when it. ended. All right. Gotcha. And then, so what was that like? I mean, cause that was also your first experience <laughs> with, with totally. the Blue Jays. Yeah. What was that like?
2: It was awesome. Like it was, it was a really cool experience for me to kind of learn and go through some of the onboarding stuff that a lot of the guys that we picked were going through as, you know, not as a player as just a, like a staff member just kind of observing what we value as an organization what certain resources we have
1: hmm.
2: how we go about certain things um it was it was really neat like it's it's definitely been a whirlwind of of trying to get acclimated to pro ball life and what you know meeting all these new people and just a very different experience a much bigger environment than college oh yeah um, but it's, it's been good. Like it's, it's, it's something that I, is a good challenge for me and it's, it's been good so far.
0: And could you talk a little bit about your role and if they've uh, outlined a little bit of what they are expecting you to do, or at least where, what you're going to start to do uh, in the yeah. near future?
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, I think, you know, part of what's, you know, and this is a kudos a credit to the Blue Jays is that my role is, is, somewhat malleable. Like there's a, there's a lot of flexibility for me to do certain different things. Um, Great. which, which is really nice. Like I really, really appreciate that from them. And that's been really, really awesome so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of what I'll do is, is I'll work with some guys in R and D from Toronto on some different projects, work with our coordinators on, you know, some development projects with certain guys. Um, but it's definitely sort of a hybrid mix of, being in an R and D group and being in player development, like I sort of feel like I sit somewhere in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, you know, being at the complex has its perks for sure as, as, you know, someone in in my role, because I get to go out and watch, you know, the rehab bullpens or the FCL bullpens or the FCL game that's going on or the live ABs that are going on and just sort of still be very involved with the the developmental side of the game on a day-to-day basis and then have, Mm. R and D side to plug into at the you know the second half of the day and kind of spend some more time in in that realm. So it's it's been good. It's very very flexible. Still trying to feel things out. Um, mm. so it's it's been it's been good so
0: far. So do you have a do you have autonomy on what you're allowed to you know infer to players or suggest? Um, is it more of like you're part of a team that is working toward, you know, specific things based on just tasks that you're given. What is that like structure like?
2: So I, it's definitely a, like a team-based um, structure or philosophy, yeah. I think. Okay. Like, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not like freelancing out with guys like, oh, like, you know, hey, you should really be doing this. Like, yeah, it's think, more
0: of like a pitching coach.
2: Yeah, right. Like it's, it's it's you know, for one thing, like, right, like I'm, I'm not a pitching coach. I'm not a coach, right? Like that's not, that's not what I try to do that's not really my role mm. uh, but I think I can help our coaches in some ways with with some things with mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of it is like just just the team like being being part of the team and assimilating myself to the team environment that we have here and, and getting to know these people and build relationships with them build the mm. trust with them that you know will ultimately yield the kinds of results that I think we're all looking for. So I think like if, if someone doesn't trust you, even like, you know, players especially, but even as a coach, like if someone doesn't trust me or doesn't really know who I am or someone in my position is like, it's, it's hard to take information and be really willing to take a bit of a risk for them. If you don't That's really That's totally who. fair. So I think a lot of what I'm trying to do now is just, relationships with people spend as much time around the coaches that when the coordinators that we have here as possible and just mm. get to know them as much as i can and plus like you don't want to give like you don't want to give mixed messages right like i don't want to sort of say something that maybe contradicts something that we've already been been that the player's already been told or that we have as as you know one of our org philosophies or org goals which i'm still learning at this point right so like mm-hmm. That I think is really important, and we're better to be all in on something that that you know everyone's behind, and have like people coming at different ways, or maybe this this person's right, this person's wrong, but like you're better off being fully aligned in something. And so I think I'm I'm trying to assimilate myself into that as, as best as possible for the Yes,
0: for the... it's the same approach as if you were you know five years ago, or yeah, maybe four or five years ago now, when you were yeah. starting with wake. It's the same exactly. approach where. Exactly. If you're a new guy you got to come in and you got to be absorbing as much as you can you know really? like trying to be the guy who comes in and like especially when you don't know as much as everyone like when you're when you're the you know the young buck who like is still learning a lot of stuff like entering a whole new environment like trying to impose yourself on people it's probably not going to bode well you know right. so it's the right. same thing that you're doing like you were awake like just trying to learn things like that's that's the basic thing. It's like, just keep learning. And then the more you learn, the more trust you build. Like, oh, well, I'm sure at Wake Forest, you had players coming to you and asking about stuff eventually once you were your, you know, a senior. Right. Right. So you'll it, get there it, eventually. Yeah, totally. And
2: it's, it's a little more like conscious this time. Like, I didn't really know what I was doing then. I just kind of, it just felt like the right thing to do. And I was like, all right, let's do this. But for sure, yeah. like, it, it's, it's a conscious effort to build relationships, build trust, and then like, the time frame is much longer here, right, than in college. Like, like we've talked about already, like these relations, like it's not—it's much less fleeting. Like I don't—I don't have a, a like an expiration date on you know when I'm going to be at like in college or like you have four or five years, and then it's like you know you you like you have you kind of have to move on at some point, right? Yes. Like that yes. doesn't necessarily that like there's less of that like you know fleetingness in in pro ball. There's more mm. continuity year over year. I feel like maybe I'm wrong. I have no idea. I could be totally off pay to be with that. <laughs> it feels like it's like more of a like you know I, the, the time frame is wider, so I can spend more time getting to know people mm-hmm. and building those relationships without trying to come in here and be like, all right, like X, Y, Z needs to get done. And like I have, I have like ideas and and thoughts and things that we did at Wake that I you know learned and thought that they worked well, and and you know I've been given the freedom to suggest them and bring them up in conversation which has been super nice yeah and really really open. like they the blue jays as the org have been really open to that kind of stuff and so that's been awesome you need that um, yeah but it is like it's it's ultimately i, I just want to be you know absorbing as much as i can like you said and and building those relationships and getting the trust up there so that when when it comes time to actually make some some things happen i i have that
0: relationship to fall back on it's kind of like an informal pre-med or pre-law major you yeah, know, to uh, for baseball, it's like okay, yeah. if I'm gonna be an analytics guy to, on a baseball or uh, while I'm in uh, undergrad or even grad school for a baseball team, it's like we all know like you can't really have a full time job out of that unless you become a coach, which mm-hmm. I mean you could, right? Like that could be also another stepping stone. It's like if you eventually want to be a coach at that school or at another school, sure, but the well the one the the path that you took is. Oh, I'm I'm here. I'm doing this thing for a couple of years, and then I'm going off, you know, to wherever I am needed most. You know, preferably a pro- professional organization. It sounds like that is the the path that I feel like uh, you're seeing a lot more of now. I'm thinking of all the kids that like that came from UCSB that I know. Like, I've just heard so many kids going from that school, yeah. like going to professional organizations, and yeah. you know, they're clearly not the only one. You know, with you and like others from your school as well.
2: And, and a bunch of other schools, like Iowa has a lot of guys in pro okay. ball. There are a lot of other schools that, that do a really good job with their analytics programs and get get guys in pro ball from,
0: mm-hmm. from there. But there's not that many programs that have analytics teams.
2: Yeah, that's, I think there, there is growing, like the amount is growing, but I think, yes, like the distinction between like, you know, like we talked about before, like having the technology and then having the the group of people to be able to actually make it actionable. Mm-hmm. That's, I think, where there's a, there's fewer of that kind than the, the people that actually just like, you have the tech and you're using it and operating it, but mm-hmm. leveraging it is
0: sort of the next step for that. I, I do have a lot of excitement for that area though. I have it, I, I think I have a really good feeling that it's going to be such a big thing, especially in the Power 5 conferences. In terms of just like, all right, everyone's going to have to have at least a handful of of people on their support staff that is the analytics team. Like it's going to get to that eventually.
2: Yeah, I think the more data you ingest into your program, the more you need people to actually use it and and manage it and and handle it, right? And that's just the data side. Like the other side of it is actually being able to work with and lead a team of people right which is not an, mm-hmm. an easy task and not an easy thing to do and and it takes time and so like you know if that's something that the school is serious about it definitely makes like it's it's an area of opportunity for sure like to have to have that that be a, a backbone of the program
0: I mean it makes it just makes the school look so much better too it's I mean I didn't know about Iowa and you know having that with guys but now I'm thinking like okay if you know i'm not me necessarily but someone else it's like okay just if i want to go to school but be involved in baseball and involved in you know the analytics side it's like oh i was like one of the top choices now you know because exactly. because yeah. the choices are so uh few and far between right mm-hmm. i mean they, they, they've they've done a really really good job over there
2: with with the pumping out guys in pro ball like if you mm-hmm. go you go back and look at their program and they have a lot of guys who have a lot of really cool things for them and then in in the professional industry from the coaching side and from the analyst side so they've they're definitely a a top flight program for sure
0: is it the same thing with wake force though in that someone just came along and said like let's start this thing i mean is it really that simple i know i already kind of asked that but like i don't know just uh, i just keep thinking about like why this hasn't been done already or why it's not something that like everyone is jumping uh on right now like uh, i don't know like I just want to know what like the problem is, or like where the the whole back is. It just finding people that like can do it, or like it's that want to do it.
2: It's possible. I don't, you know, I don't really know if I know why this hasn't been done at, at other places. I think you no know, part of it is is right Wake Forest with the pitching lab and everything like that. Like there's a clear commitment from the university, the athletic department, the baseball mm-hmm. program, the coaches to making, you know the science of baseball, for lack of a better way to put it, like yeah, a real thing and putting resources into that. And the, you know, the analytics and the the data side of things fits into that for sure. Mm. So that's like at Wake, it's sort of is a unique like that that's a unique situation. Sure. But I think like, you know, I think it gets back to what we talked about before. Like it's it's something that can be done at a lot of other schools. It just Mm -hmm. takes the buy-in from a coaching staff and finding the right people in the student body who are willing to commit to something and
0: mm.
2: make it their own. And then you kind of can, can build on it from there.
0: Yeah. The commitment is kind of the hardest part, but then again, it the, you can believe in it now. We can see it right. now. I mean, right. this year, this year, how much it was talked about on TV, especially during the college world series. This is crazy. <laughs> it was, it's funny. Like it's actually comical now. Cause it's like, everyone wants to like, you know kind of have some level of knowledge about it right i think it, it feeds on itself too like i mean we hmm. you know we always had a
2: big team this year but we had you know some freshmen on, on our team that have you know the, with, with where they are right now and their their own personal like analytics development is like light years ahead of where i was where you know nihar was where lauren mcgovern who was our other leader of the analytics where where we all were at their time like they're so far beyond that that like it just kind of it hopefully will just keep feeding on itself
1: hmm.
2: and you know you have such a a, a good culture and a cycle of, of development that it kind of you, know, you breed a lot of really really talented people who want to be a part of something special
0: so then how does it grow i mean is it just um just doing more podcasts telling you got telling more people about <laughs> <it>? <laughs>
2: like i guess so i mean i think it's it's something that like I think people know about it. I think a lot, like a lot of schools have student manager programs. They'll have, like, have like, you know, mm. analysts or guys that run the track man or run the soto and the bullpens or like whatever the case may be. And I think it just comes down to leveraging that information in the best way possible and finding a relationship between coaching staff and, and, an, and an analytics person or group of people mm. that, can like hit it off for lack of a better term and then figuring out how to best implement that and, and go from there. Like I don't, the barrier to entry is not very high, I don't think, but yeah. it's, it's, it also is high because it's stuff that's not like, you can't just buy it, right? You can't just go buy an analytics team. <laughs> yeah. It takes, it takes like the the time to develop and the relationships to develop for sure. And, and it's a lot of like, you gotta have the right people. Like ultimately that's, that's what it, that's what it comes down to in in my opinion.
0: And we can't ignore the fact that the upside is more prevalent now because there didn't used to be a clear path um, post undergrad or graduate school with like, what, like, hmm, what do I do now? Yeah. I was an analytics guy on the baseball team. It's like, what do I do now? Like open up my own facility or yeah. something like that takes right. immense like, amount of capital to do just to start. But it's like, no, no, this pro team is like huge into this now. So <laughs> the, you're that, the clientele you are the guys that work dead. for
2: sure for sure <laughs> there are a lot of teams there are a lot of orgs that are hiring guys out of college
0: tons and, everybody you know, it, probably is
2: yeah for sure and it's a, you know it's a, it's i think it used to be in some ways like if you were involved with your team in college that was like that was sufficient to be hired i think probably in like you know a couple of years ago but now at least like that's that's almost a like it's almost taken for granted in some ways, I think, and so it becomes hmm. it becomes like what do you actually do? Like yeah. what what is that? What has that experience taught you that it hasn't taught the four other people who are also applying for this role, who are also on their college, and like like their their co- work with their college baseball team.
0: Yeah, you know? I was gonna ask what the kind of like what do you think the separators would be? You know, in terms of uh, what 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 makes candidate A, B, C, D you know, all, all kind of like stand out.
2: Yeah. I I don't, you know, that's a good question. Just thinking about the people that we've, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with and to have and to become friends with. Like Yeah. First of all, like they're all really good communicators. Like what we've mm-hmm. talked about. They're all very, very good communicators. They're all very yes. smart. People, which I think probably goes without saying, but like they're just generally very, very smart people. And they work hard. Right? Like they're they're they found a passion that they like and they're willing to put that passion ahead of other things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whether it be a social scene or something like that, like they're willing to take, to make sacrifices with their free time yeah. to do that they love. And I think that those things together just kind of breed like the, the right type of people for what pro teams are, are after from at least the guys that I've been around like that that seems like it's it's not it's not so much like a certain skill or a certain like you know you can do x you can do y they'll mm. hire you. it's like you know you're you have the makeup and the the right environment to be able to mold yourself into something that's really valuable in your own unique way
0: yeah the competency sounds like kind of the the like the first level of it um yeah. it, and i'm almost-
2: like the litmus test, you know? Like yes. That. Like, are you like, you know, are can you play in this league kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. How are you going to have success in this league? Like, that's, that's what it feels like to me.
0: It's the same thing with players. Now that I <laughs> try to make a parallel in my head, it's like, okay, you're a high school player. Um, and then you get to college and that's basically just letting you know, like you're good enough to get there. Um, yeah. But then those college players, they have to do a whole other subset of things. That is the next level of, are you good enough to be a pro? And then once you get to pro, it's like, okay, yeah, you got to pro. Yeah. You're good enough to get here. Great. And now there's a whole nother set of things that you have to be good at doing to get it to the major leagues like that. And that is, that is the whole, the, the next, the, that's the big test, right? It's like, that's a whole other subset of things. And specifically for your role with the college scene, it's like, you have to kind of dedicate the time as much, it sounds like, as a player does. Like, if you want to yeah, go, it, if you want to be special.
2: I think, yeah, I think it just, it it comes down to, right, like, you get out of these things what you put into them, in my opinion, from what yeah. we've seen. And I'm sure it's the same case for, you know, on, on the playing side of things and in most things, right? Like, sure, there is, at least at, at Wake Forest, there was very few times that you were going to be told, no, like, no, hmm. you can't do this. No, this isn't worth doing. Like, no, don't do that. Right. Like the wall was like, just, it, it didn't like, it, it, you never hit the wall. I felt like, and I felt like I never hit a wall. And I think I, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say that. Right. Hmm. So there's always more to do. There's always more to, think about to work on always more places where you can improve where you can think about trying to help the team improve like there's there's always more opportunities right so it's it's Hmm. not a lack of opportunity it's it's about how much you're willing to invest yourself into that and it's like it's totally fine like whatever level you choose to do like that's totally fine that's your decision like no one's gonna think one way or another about you because of that but if like if you only want to Do like you know 50% because you have a bunch of other stuff going on, like that's fine. Mm. We're gonna get 50% of the return, right? Yeah, if you want to do 100%, if you want to go full in, like you'll get a big return from that. But it's just, it just depends on how willing you are to go all in on whatever it is you're trying to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, you should get a return. It's funny because in baseball, there's those guys who are uber talented and they can just keep making their way up, and like, you know, those are few, those guys are again, few and far between. And then there's some people who you know they're doing everything they can and like things just don't work out. That's that's the game of baseball. That's life. And I don't know. You don't really probably see that you know with with what you're doing. But now I'm curious for you what um, your workload was like. Like what was the level of investment for you? How much time you were putting into this uh, while you were also going to school? So you were essentially a student athlete basically. Um, and then specifically when the season began and like even making that Omaha run like what was your involvement
2: that's a good question so my my master's year I like so last year I spent a lot of time at the field in the fall and the winter I don't I like from I I don't I couldn't put like an hours per week thing to it but it was like every day of practice um you know weekend scrimmages
0: it's equivalent I, to a student-athlete, essentially.
2: I, basically, yeah. Like, okay. I think that, that's that's fair. And then That's enough.
0: Yeah, it's plenty.
2: In the spring, you know, actually, well, I, I would say, yeah, I think it is because you have, like, the practice time and then, like, you know, I just don't lift, but, like, the players lift or the players have to do, like, their treatment and recovery pre and post, but we have, like, data collection stuff to do, like, data processing and projects to work on and stuff like that, where it kind of, like, the time probably equivalents out depending on how much on our side you're willing to put in, like as as just to get back to the point that i made before but like if you're a player like you have you know you have to be here you have xyz things like you're you have like a external sense of accountability or an mm. external like you, know, you had you this is just what you do otherwise you're gonna be like not here but yeah. for us like it, it's like you like you didn't have to go to every practice like we had enough people where okay you had two exams the next day Like you didn't have to go to practice that day like that's totally fine yeah it was gonna bat an eye if you wanted to be a practice every day sure like no one would tell you no to that point hmm. but you didn't you didn't have to so the amount of time per week would vary but i like i kind of just this was like i knew i knew what i wanted to do and i knew this was going to help me get where i wanted to go so i was like all right i just show up and just keep showing up and see what happens yeah and then when the season started that's when i started to come like i like in the mornings before practice, like, you know, in the mornings before game and then especially by like the end of April and May, like I would probably be at the field, like mornings doing some work, then practice, then after practice, then the next day and then the game and everything. So it became like basically a full-time job for me, which was super cool. Like I had an amazing time doing that, but it just like the, the time commitment just kept like, I just kept, growing and growing and growing and it wasn't commitment's the wrong word it was it was maybe like time investment just kept growing and growing and growing and I just kept like just kept showing up and no one told me to go away so I was like all right, I'll just come back tomorrow
0: that's a very interesting word you just used and now I'm going to ask at what point did you see what you were doing um change from being a this is my time commitment currently or well not or but to I'm investing my time in something that I know is going to help me in the long run. When did you make that choice of, okay, I'm not just doing this just because I like it. I'm interested or whatever. It's like, I know I want to keep, keep yeah. going with this. And I, this is a stepping stone into the future. And I'm alluding to when you said you were, you wanted to be a GM yeah. so, like way back.
2: So that's a good question. Um, I think the biggest diff or the biggest like kind of like point in time that i could go to is so we're at our regional in 2022 at college park in in maryland Mm -hmm. and at this time like i i'm like i've done it like a a good bit like i i my personal involvement has been pretty good but our our team is as a whole like we had so we had started to do a lot of really cool things Mm. um this season and it was the first year that we really like began to have us like a, a a direct, I think, like very impactful, very very meaningful impact on sure the program and and I had gotten to know the coaches pretty well and so Mike McFerrin, our lab coordinator, and I were out getting dinner. We were going to the Orioles game, like two. I don't know if it was the day before our regional or two days before, or whatever.
1: Okay. And
2: you know we're we're talking and i'm i'm kind of walking him through like you know some coming back from my, my master's year yada 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 like i i have a job with an accounting firm that i'm going to do after i graduate i'm going to take the cpa exams all that stuff whatever um yeah i know and he stopped me in the middle of this and he was like you know what about baseball And I was like, well, you know, like if I don't like the accounting stuff, I can go back into baseball, whatever. And then he basically, in the course of that conversation, flipped my mindset or like showed me the way to flip my mindset from, you know, I can do that. I'm going to go do something I went to school for to I have a passion about something that I love to do that I'm pretty good at and I have a chance to make it my career and there's not a lot of people that can say that and i i like owe it to myself basically to go full in on that Mm. and that's that was the moment where i was like okay this is this is like i i'm like admitting to myself that i can do this like i I, it's like that that was a big sort of like (laughs) like this is like uncharted territory a little bit but like i got this like this is this is it for me like i I know Mm. this is what i'm supposed to be doing um and that's when i was like okay like every every minute i spend doing something like this it um, with you know baseball related is an investment in, in my future and like in you know, my own future but like i want our guy like I, I i wanted to win like I, I wanted us to have a really good year and i wanted our players to get better and that was like it honestly like i didn't even think about like an investment like my focus was on just like how are our guys gonna get, get better and how are is our team gonna win mm. and but I think by doing that I ended up like I obviously benefited myself in some ways, but most sure. like I didn't consciously think about like, okay, this is for me. Like, no, like, I I didn't really think about that. It was more like I, I'm doing this for other people and I, I'm gonna benefit from it as a byproduct of that.
0: I can't I couldn't imagine you going into the accounting direction and then looking back and just being like, Oh, what am I thinking?
1: Yeah,
2: it would have been yeah like it's I w- I'm very lucky to have had that option I'm very very fortunate to have had the option for, of that mm-hmm. um, but I think it it would have been difficult for me to at some point I probably would have had the same kind of experience that I had my freshman year of college like okay like I need I need baseball back in my life kind of moment. Mm-hmm. and I <laughs> think it would have been difficult to come back to that but I am I'm I'm think I made the right choice, at least for the time being, but I I'm definitely really grateful for the, you know, to have had that opportunity in the first place. Cause there's a lot, there's a lot of people that would, you know, there's nothing really, an accounting job, there's nothing wrong with, with working in accounting. Like, there's a lot of people that do that and it's a really, really great career and they love it. And that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, you know, I, I happen to have found a passion somewhere else and that's, that's what I chose to pursue. So.
0: Well, from my point of view, I think there's a pretty clear distinction between what you do right now and accounting. Um you don't necessarily have to have a passion for accounting. Um and having one is probably helpful. Like it's probably good. Yeah. But you also you it can be your nine to five and you can you can hate yeah. it and do it for 40 years and be successful. And it's you know it's just a thing you do. For sure. But with what you do currently it's so much more important to have baseball as the driving forward. Like it's, it's the passion, like you're saying um, that needs to be there. You can't just like, I mean, being good at it, maybe, you know, like maybe you can just be, but you're probably, you're probably going to be pretty uh, <laughs> pretty like torn down by the hours or just like the circumstances of yeah. a lot of things. Like it's such a different commitment that, you kind of need that passion for the actual sport to sure. to really like enjoy your life with it. For sure. For sure.
2: And I think it's it's like it gets back to the point that I said before of like hmm. there's not a lot of people that can do that really truly love what they do and exactly have the opportunity to do that and i i like i owe it to myself to do that like i can i can live with doing it and it not working out and like that that's okay i can live with that but i don't Mm -hmm. think i could live with not trying
0: You make a good point right there (laughs) yeah shoot oh so i mean yeah just as like just as like advice really for like any especially a, a players like current players current high school players too um if you don't make it as a player like it's not the end of the world like you there's other ways to be involved in the game you know absolutely i think that's another thing too it's like there's so many kids like playing is their whole life just like it was for you and just like it is for me still that's such a dumb thing to say (laughs) but um as kids it was our whole life and Even if you play in the majors and, you know, for 15 years, like it eventually stops, you know, Mm -hmm. and whether or not you want to be involved after the fact like is your choice, but I think you have to kind of make that decision like, or at least it's helpful to make that decision early on is like, do I love baseball, or do I just like playing baseball and like hitting home runs and like playing well, you know, like you got to really like baseball, you know, to be involved and not playing as opposed to like, oh no, I just like hitting 300, you know? Cause then yeah, like, I like it when I'm good. Yeah. Cause then when you get to the pros and you're hitting 220, you know, your first 60 games, it's like, mm, do you love baseball now? Right. Right. Exactly. You really love it. Exactly. You're <laughs> like, it's going to show you how much you really love it for sure. Yeah. It's a big test that, oh my gosh. Yeah. What you're doing in pro well, it's the same idea. I mean, geez. Sure. Um. Okay we've t- we kind of glossed a little bit over like the future of baseball the tech side of baseball you mentioned yeah. it earlier a little bit but I, I want to go back to that because I just want your take on on a few of those things uh that we've we talked about you know before uh hitting mm-hmm. the record button but um like what-, what would be a good place to start I mean I think it's just um I think it's just fascinating like how quickly it's becoming involved and like how um how open the MLB is to a lot of these changes happening. And I'm sure as you've uh, gained awareness um, just in the last few years of how much the miners do this too, like the changes right. that they're trying to make. The big one is the robot umpire thing. I think that is such right. a such a prevalent topic today, especially when you involve mm-hmm. technology like with you know the, the virtual, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like the fact that it's on TV. Like every yeah. single TV now, like it just shows. Right. I think that is the funniest thing ever. But I'm kind of curious, like, where are you stay on that because I've definitely had debates with some of my former teammates on, mm-hmm. like, oh, we need that robo ump or yeah. no, like, do get that out of here. That is not. <laughs> so, yeah. like, what's your take on that?
2: All right. So that, that's a good question. I think, like, so I know, like, I've, I've only, I've watched. A couple of our low a games here, okay uh, and I've seen like i've I've only been for the challenge system games. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen a full ABS game yet. Mm-hmm. but just like my my gut take on this is I like the challenge system. I think mm-hmm. having a higher call a game, but being able to challenge calls and they're very quickly overturned or like confirmed or overturned, I think is a good way to keep the balance between like having the ability to get the call, right. Which is ultimately what we want to do. Like we want the calls to be right. You don't want someone to get punched out on a ball. that's, you know, three balls off the plate mm-hmm. in a big spot. Like no one wants that. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think I also understand the argument of like, you know, you don't want a, a box to call a strike. So when like, you know, you miss your spot by 15 inches and the catcher clanks it, but it like nicks the strike zone. So it's called a strike. Like I, I understand why we don't want that to happen. So yeah, I think I'm I think I'm in on the challenge system. I don't know like specifically like you know what the optimal number of challenges should be per side or what that should be like, but I do I think the challenge system has potential for sure.
0: I think the challenge system is actually a really good idea. The one issue, well not issue, but um, the one point that you know a devil's advocate could bring up would be okay, so if like, if it's three, two, and there's like a, you know, a ball that gets called a strike, and I avoid a strikeout um, with the challenge system, like, that's great. But if I only get a couple of challenges a game, it's like, why are we valuing um, the pitch with two strikes so much heavily, or so much more uh, than the O-O pitch, where it was two balls off, and we're not going to challenge that because it's O-O. It's like, now we're deciding to like right. split the scales a little bit and like
1: right. oh you, these certain the boxes are way
0: more important yeah for with, sure yes which makes the strike zone essentially on 00 01 11 10 bigger yeah in a way for sure.
1: yeah
2: for sure in a way and it tightens it up with two, with like a, in any kind of leverage spot yeah you are like
0: what like how That's like a point as a concept you're like hmm is that good do we do we want to add that um like in practice getting a decisive call right is good mm-hmm. I, th- I think that is very important but you also have to think about how you even got to that place in, in you know in the first right. instant and you're like shoot this spring now now i'm thinking maybe we just don't have it like Maybe you just leave it all up to the to the umpires and chance and everything like that. Right.
2: But then you see on Twitter.
0: Sorry. Right. Everyone
2: gets mad about like the strike zone or like even even on to your point on the TV you see the box and you see a ball that's like that like you know two or three inches off the plate, and everyone gets mad and like to mm -hmm. be umpire like that's like how like that's such such a small discretion like that's such a hard call to make,
1: exactly. Which I think is
2: is why I like some kind of tech being involved in that is just because it's so hard to make those calls accurately mm-hmm. respect that to be like i mean the umpires like for as much as people like like to rag on them like they do a really good job especially in i couldn't imagine doing, doing it work. yeah it's such a hard so, job oh my it's god a hard job. it's it's so thankless too like all you do is get ragged on by people and, and no one ever tells like you you have a perfect game and no one knows or cares and it's like
0: okay. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But
2: that, I so maybe it's like you know, maybe you get a challenge per at bat. Like maybe that's too many. Maybe it's not. Like I, I don't know. But there's, there's a lot of. I think, I think there's ways to play around with the challenge aspect to give, like, still have the umpire actually make the calls, but also give them a little bit of a security blanket of like, okay, like if you miss a call by like two inches, that's impossible to see on the other side of the plate. Like it's okay. Mm-hmm. We got, we got something that's gonna make sure we get it right.
0: You know what? I don't know why this happened, but you just brought up like uh, something that a coach said on a former episode. He said it a long time ago, but he talked about the shadow zone. I don't know yeah. if you, you've probably heard of like, oh, the shadow yeah. zone. It's the it's you know, it's the corners, it's the area like around, yeah. like, and there's different sections of it that are you know more ideal to throw to or whatever, whatever. But maybe as a as an idea here, so there's the shadow zone, right? And that area, it's like Okay, we just let the umpire like they control they get a control of that shadow zone, you know, whether it's like a ball off or a ball and a half off, whatever it is. But maybe once it crosses the threshold of like two balls off and they call, it, let's just say it's oh and guy throws fastball away, it's like two or three balls off, like it's way off, right? Yeah. And the and the umpire's like strike, and then everyone's like, okay, that wasn't even in the shadow zone, it was so bad, right? then someone walkies into the umpire and they're like hmm. so, no that was like way was off bad. my dude like that's a yeah. ball so i think it's i think that's where people get frustrated too is the egregious ones where they're like oh my god that was multiple balls off like this is crazy but if we just eliminated that i think everyone would be okay with umpires maybe getting a little bit off or whatever it is like to an yeah, for sure right? i
1: think that's a good
2: point like if, if you take like the box like the strike zone and it's like okay if it's or like maybe like a little narrower like the heart or a little bigger than the heart of the zone like that's Mm -hmm. a strike and then uh, two balls off is a ball and then everything else is discretionary maybe maybe that's the way to do it i think that there's definitely potential there for sure
0: dude i think that would be a great idea because then it takes away too like well not takes away but it it makes the challenging you know so much more focused on like yeah okay like if a guy like if it's oh oh, and it's two balls off like i don't have to waste a challenge on that because like if it's two balls off they're going to correct him but if it's only a ball then maybe i can say like Mm -hmm. okay he's calling one ball off that's his zone you know Mm because like that's another piece of the game too is like umpires have a zone like they they might be a ball outside that day but they won't call the ball inside like the one ball inside so like hitters can also use that yes the consistency is part of it too dude i should write that down i should patent that idea yeah, right good good so good umpires good, get like, the shadow zone like that yeah. i think that actually makes a lot of sense dude I, we I just like figured that. it out we did that's it there we go <laughs> um, <laughs> the- hello this is this is uh we-, yeah. we got it rob listen to this um no this though is it uh what's the challenge system right now i mean i actually don't know is it one challenge per ab no it's um i'm gonna get it wrong i'm 100
2: percent gonna get it wrong that's fine I, I, th- I think it's three per team, right now.
0: Okay, yeah, that but seems just, really okay, low. That might be wrong. I might be wrong about that. You know, it'd be okay. I th- you know what? Okay, we're brainstorming here. I think every hitter deserves one per game, maybe. That's not a bad One idea. one per game per hitter.
2: Not a bad idea. Yeah, because there are there are times when like I've no, I've seen where like you get up and you can't challenge a pitch because like the guy in front of you just challenged the ball, like something. And you just, like, your team lost a challenge. Yeah. You guys right. you have to decide like if, if like, when, when am I going to use my challenge or when is this going to happen? Like I, I actually like that. Like one, one challenge per guy. Ooh, per game. To, but But what about pitchers? Do
0: pitchers get challenges now?
2: I think they should. I think one they're, per they're, inning. Maybe one, one per inning,
0: one per you, inning. I mean,
2: you do, you do one per inning. I like that. Something I you got to give the pitcher something like they they both have to be able to like
0: yeah get something because imagine so, getting nine pitches like let's say you face nine different hitters right they play the whole game so it's nine challenges you get all nine challenges or even seven of the nine challenges go against you I mean that's huge that's pivotal but on the flip side if you don't get your challenge per inning you can't win any challenges to somewhat like nullify that or in a big one where like you get a you get a you nick the you you nick the zone and it's the
2: the bottom of the zone and like the catcher has to block it
0: yeah but it's a ball they think it's a ball and it's like give me that let me challenge that thing yeah let me challenge this this hook like yeah and it's made two two outs bases loaded like oh my god like that would be that would be that. That would that would cause
2: some angst if, like, a bounced breaking ball got called a strike to overturn. Like, that would be crazy. Uh, it's, always
0: then, like, gonna be know, it's always like, going to be that. It's always going to be that.
2: If like is is one per at bat for both sides. Like, is that too is that too much? Is that like, is that like basically the equivalent of an automated zone? Then at that at that point, if like you can challenge two pitches per at bat. So
0: a so the pitcher gets a challenge for a bat, and the hitter gets a challenge for a bat. Yeah. See, you know what that sounds incredibly fair now, be too, many. too many in the sense that it might stall the game out
2: yeah like if it might
0: delay a little
2: every, every at bat, you're like, or like twice a at bat you're like this <laughs> like it, it, it's pretty quick but it's not like it's not it you that might be the equivalent of just an automated zone like you might if, that, if you're gonna do that you might as well have an automated zone because that's basically what you would have at that point
0: to an extent yeah i an, like We just cut out. Oh, sorry. Go, go, go.
2: No, say like in the like seven, eight pitch at bat, it -hmm. would matter because, like, you know, that that's like you can only challenge a quarter of those pitches. But I think the average at bat length is something like four-ish, like somewhere between four and five pitches.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So like half the half the at bat can be challenged. And the odds are that like the entire at bat's not going to be in the like shadow zone. So that means that you're really like you're Pretty much having like some kind of automation for almost everything,
0: because like yeah.
2: the either it's either going to be a ball way off or a strike. Like the odds of having five pitches and one at bat in the like zone that you would challenge or where an umpire could mess it up
0: hmm. is probably not
2: that high.
0: No, it's not. No, no, so no.
2: You might probably that probably defeats it. Probably too many challenges. You think I talk about
0: that. Dang it! Okay. I like the one per inning though we'll figure this out i'm telling you it they will figure it out because it is a it good idea yeah. um the only the, again to play devil's advocate again people love the fact that games are freaking two and a half hours now that's true that's you true You love that you don't you're like that. two hour game have you ever been a part of two hour game oh my gosh like 12 like, you yeah it's not <laughs> since <laughs> exactly i, I had, had one last year oh yeah. my gosh i I could have sworn it was, like, 201 or, like, an hour 59. And I was, like, awesome. Like, yeah, yeah
1: was, we were done by, like, 8.30
0: 50? or something. I don't yeah. know. It was oh. crazy. I was, like, yeah. Which, they're at right, that
2: point, like, you don't want to slow it down with everyone, like, five seconds of this every time. Like, it's not, yeah. you know, you got to keep that in mind, too. So, for sure, that's, that's a good point.
0: If they can dial it in, though, and make it kind of quick, I mean, you know, it, it, they'll figure it out.
2: Or if, like, the umpire knows like, if somehow he's, like, has a device. Like, again. so instead of having
0: to, like. Just get buzzed.
2: Yeah, like, he just, like, knows that it's a strike or a ball. And then there's, like, an odd It's just, like, automates the, like, this. Okay, okay, yep, strike. Or, like, this, no ball.
0: Yeah. Know. Yeah. It's
2: you, Like, the first time I watched the game, like, someone got. Someone walked. It was, like, a 3-2 pitch, I think. And, like, the umpire called it ball four. And the guy's like, taking his stuff off to go down to first and I'm like, I looked down and didn't realize there was a challenge. And I looked up again and like a minute later, like what, what happened to that dude on first, but it was overturned for a strikeout. And I was like, that's like, what, like, what is happening right now? Like what is going on? Yeah, that's pretty wild. It's different. It, It definitely takes an adjustment for sure.
0: But the ultimate question is, does it make the game more fair? Like, does it, does it yield a better product? You know, like a truer, uh, what's the word? Like, I guess more of
2: a an environment where the, the the outcome is decided by the players more so than anything
1: else.
0: Yeah, it's, but also like, difficult. are the umpires getting it right too? Like, it, is the game going as it should be going? I guess. But then again, part of I'd, I'd probably
2: say yes to that, but I have I, will, I have see a full ABS game.
0: Yeah, like, have would be seen crazy. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they do but uh, maybe they're doing them. Maybe they're
2: doing it. So, the works for our low A league is I think the first three games of the six are a full ABF and the second three are challenge.
0: Oh. Okay. Then, yeah.
2: I guess has experimentary purposes.
0: Yeah. They're definitely going to figure that out. So, something's going to happen. I don't know what it is, but they will definitely. Uh, It'll be in the, it'll be in the MLB in less, less than five years. I think, I don't know, maybe.
2: I, I, I think that's probably, I think it's probably true.
0: What else is there? What else is it that's tech involved in baseball? That's like, uh, here I have, uh, tech affecting coaching and tech affecting the mental side of the game, but we've also kind of like, we've sort of glossed over that. You know, I am curious though, um, in your experience when it, as it pertains to the mental side of the game, how many like players or times you've talked with players about um, some charts that you've uh, drawn up or, you know, just um, ways to kind of prepare for certain guys. And like, if you've personally walked through any of that with players, because I know for me, if I have that information, it helps me prepare for an opponent. I can feel a lot more confident heading out to the field.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like we like, so I think we, like, we did that a lot of week, like rat was someone Mm -hmm. who, like to see stuff on the opposing team before he started against them, hmm. um, so that was like we would go through stuff with him and kind of figure out like you know Corey would do a lot of it, but we'd kind of figure out like what the game plan is going to be. So he he liked to do that a lot. Um, on, on the, like the developmental side of things, like there was a lot of that kind of interaction between myself and you know Nihar and Lauren and other guys on the analytics team and. Mm-hmm. players also through you know mike and Corey in, in in a lot of instances as well um i think part of it is like you know you're sure sort to of work at wake you're sort of working with a semi-biased population because like as a as, as a player right like, as like a kid who's going to commit to wake like hey, you have to be like there's a certain like aptitude intellectually you have to have to get to get into school there right so first of all you got that second of all you know about the lab. You know about the, the the use of data and the use of tech there, and they, you're probably interested in that if you're going there. So there's already like the barrier to like okay, like to getting the buy-in from the player is kind of nullified to some extent.
1: Okay, just yeah. because
2: of the nature of the kind of kid that comes to Wake Forest to mm-hmm. play or to pitch at Wake Forest.
1: Mm. So
2: those conversations were were, were like pretty regular. And I didn't like they were pretty easy to have because our guys were really really smart and really good at understanding stuff, mm. and so that was like that they they were really really good about stuff and they wanted information and so it was like it was like okay like yeah let's talk about this for sure. You know?
0: <laughs> I mean you yeah you kind of simplified it pretty simple or pretty easily. It's like okay we got all this tech, you know how do we get these kids on board? It's like just find the kids who are already on board before they even get there you know i mean this goes back to the recruiting side of it sorry i'll just like very briefly make make note this note it's like that is the whole um cat and mouse game of like how do i choose the right school it's like the the number one thing is like do you jive with the coaches and like what they're for and how they coach and will you fit when you show up to campus like will you be able to buy into that? You know? And some, some coaches, again, they don't really like disclose a ton of that. You know, others, they they wear it proudly on their chest. Like they're like, this is who we are. This is what we do. And like, if you're a fit for us, then this is going to be gold. You know, this is great. So, I mean, that's, yeah, that's the point I try to make a lot of time on this podcast is like, you need to find a fit, you know, like it has to fit for, in order for things to work or else, otherwise you're going to be butting heads and you're going to want to transfer at <laughs> sure. hit, hit the portal after a year.
2: Yeah, no, totally. And, and like, you can speak to that better than, better than I can, better than anybody. Like with the, like, you, you gotta, you gotta fit with the staff, Like you've gone through the the recruiting process and talked to different schools. And like, if you're not a fit for what that school's op- doing and what their operations like, then it's just like, that's fine, but that's just not the right fit for you. Hmm. And so part of that, like, you know, you don't really see a lot of kids that are, just inherently resistant to information and technology that come to wake forest. Yeah. At least, at least from my experience, like you, there are, there are certain levels of guys to which into you know, the, the degree to which they, they want to look at things or don't want to look at things or, you know, maybe care more about their delivery than the ball flight or one or the other or vice mm-hmm. versa or the scouting or not like, don't want to look at a scouting report, do want to look at a scouting report like that varies for sure. There's very mm-hmm. different levels of that across each each guy. Mm-hmm. But in terms of being actually, like, resistant to the whole, like, lab operation and stuff like that, that kind of gets broken down, I think, with the decision to come to Wake Forest.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, it makes a ton of sense. And in the same, like, ballpark, um, not to use puns, but – when you're on the field, like all of that, like, you know, we kind of alluded to it too, but like when you're on the field, you know, when you're competing, like you gotta, you can, you also have to be able to forget about all that stuff. So yeah, as a totally. player being I, recruited somewhere, like you can't be all about like just that thing. Um, there's a whole other side too, of the, the compete part. And, you know, you are kind of talking about like, for me, how I found my fit and how some guys find their fit and stuff. Um, it's not always just going to be like, Oh yeah, like this works. This is perfect. Or no, this doesn't work. This is the worst ever. For me, I was very easygoing with, I mean, I was kind of able to assimilate, you know, to anybody. I was just like, Oh yeah. Like whoever my coach, like we're going to get them we'll figure it out. Something like, I think there's a piece of that too, is like just being open-minded. Like even if you're not a tech guy, like at at the very least, just be willing to listen to someone about it. Like just see what they have to say. And then like, just try it out. You know, I mean, yeah, sure, guys. Jobs, like literally. So,
2: yeah, totally. No, you're, I think you're spot on with that for sure.
0: <sighs> I'm trying, like, what else is there? Hold on. We talked about the mental side. Well, tech, effect and coaching. I mean, shoot, we already talked about that at, at nauseum. <laughs> the robo Yeah. You know, I guess the one thing we haven't touched on, this could probably be the last thing that I talk Well, yeah. Yeah. I guess it is unless we want to talk about other things too, but I did write down um, a question and it's basically just like, what's, what's one thing that like you hope to see in the game of baseball, like down the road. And when I say down the road, this could be five years, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. Like what's like one aspect of the game that you hope to see either it persists or it grows or it goes away. Like, what's just something about the game where you're like, okay, like I think the game would be going in the right direction if this is happening.
2: That's a good question. Um let's see.
0: I already have another follow up for this so.
2: Okay, good. Um I don't that's a good question. I don't know if I have a good answer for that. Um
0: That's a tough I, question, I'll admit that too.
2: No, I I think you know, it's it's something that like is Coming around now and like it's not maybe this isn't like that the the window of time of you know over which this will could change or could not change is might not be that far out, hmm. but I think like with all the tech and stuff, I just I I don't I hope that the game doesn't lose the like fact that it's a game still. Hmm. And like this, the enjoyment and the passion that people play with and. I think that that's like to answer the the actual question. Like, if the game the game's going in the right way, if everyone's playing with a lot of love and a lot of passion and a lot of joy for each other, so I think as long as as long as we keep that involved and in the picture and at the forefront of things, like I think we're on the right path. Hmm. It's not the right then the probably not the answer you expect from someone like me, but that's like what you know. I think it's it can be easy to to look at players from a very like evaluative standpoint and mm. get the fact that like it's can be so fun to play this game and to play with passion and to have fun. And it's way more fun if you're having joy with each other than if you're not. Mm. And it's like, you know, as, as we in, as more technology is introduced to the game and data be, is you know, even more prevalent than it already is right now. Like just make sure that, you know, if if the game just doesn't lose that aspect of it, I think that's important
0: i think that speaks to your awareness and now my awareness um that the technology the the impact that technology has although it is so big now and it's only getting bigger
1: okay.
0: the tech the data collection the the analytics they're not the ones playing the game and the whole reason that the game gets played is cuz I mean, have you ever played baseball? Like it's right. incredibly emotional and mm-hmm. difficult and uh teaches you so many lessons. Like there's there's so much that comes with the game in terms of playing that it's really difficult to quantify. Or Absolutely. like yeah, it just it's not it's not it's not possible really to like to like apply technology to it you know like there and there's no there's no need for it too because it's like that's what makes it so great like there's just there's just something so human about it where losing that would be such a crime to the game i agree
2: i agree and like part of you know what made our team so fun and why i love being a part of it so much was because we played with so much energy and so much fun and passion for each other like i i there you go. There are a lot of guys there were people who my my friends, my parents, my girlfriend, whoever that would say that you know watching you your guys play it was it was so much fun to watch. like you guys looked like you really loved each other, mm. and that was the case like our like our guys were awesome, and I had so much fun being a part of that, and I think everybody who was a part of it had so much fun being a part of it, and I like mm. that's where like if we keep that in the game we're we're we'll be all right
0: yeah uh, i yeah, I wholeheartedly agree um and my follow-up to that this pertains more to you um and this can be the last one and again i hate i'm sorry for hitting you with such difficult questions i know i know this isn't this isn't an easy one because we can't predict the future but um and it's because you said that when you were young like you wanted to be a gm and i think that's like that's a although it's like a crazy aspiration to have like i think it's amazing to hold on to those dreams Mm -hmm. um have those dreams shifted uh, since the beginning? Do you still have that dream to be, you know, to be a dream? Is that where you hope to see yourself uh, down the road for, like, you know, um, in your career? Um, do you think about that often? Like, especially with where you're at now being, you know, in the position you're at, like, you're on such a good trajectory. Um, I know for me, it would, it would definitely be something that I'd think about.
2: No, it, it is like, it's, it's something that has kind of come and gone a little bit in some ways, because like, to be totally frank with you, like, I don't really know what it means to be a GM. Like, I don't think most people do. <laughs> no. Like, yeah, they kind of know what it means, but you also really don't like at the root of it, like, you don't really know what it means to be a GM. Um, mm-hmm. So I think like, yes, that is still like, something that I hope to do one day. And that I is something that I work towards. And that's like, in my mind is like, this is something that I that is a goal of mine. Mm. Um, but a, like the path to get there is completely wide open. And I'm just going to let like, whatever comes to me, come to me, like whatever, whatever is supposed to happen to me is going to happen to either get me there or not get me there. And that's okay. And I'm like, I'm, mm. I'm at that. um. So I'm just going to try to like, you know, it sounds cliche, but just like, enjoy every moment that I'm in and just like, let things kind of, you know, do, do the work that I know I have to do, have the fun that I know I have to have. And just kind of let the universe, like, give me the opportunities that, that I've, you know, worked for and have like attracted to myself, mm. then, you know, whatever, wherever that, whatever that route takes me is, is where I'm going to be. And if that's a GM, great. If it's not a GM, okay, that's fine. I, I'll know I'll be in a good spot. So that's kind of where, where my, my head's out with that. Like I, it's definitely something that I, that I want to, that I want to do. And that I think I, I can do if, but it's, it's also, I'm not holding myself to that. Like I need to do this.
0: Yes. You know. Yes. Well, that's uh I think incredibly mature, you know, because we know that in this game you can't there's so many things you can't control.
2: 100%.
0: So 100- That's a good way to look at it. And I've definitely begun to do a little bit of that myself. Um mm-hmm. and I hate to do this to you again, but the now I have the last thing. Uh yeah. and it's not so much a question, but it's asking for some advice, um, just for, you know, any last words, I guess, for like for young uh, players or young uh, comp sci majors, you know, math majors, psych majors, anyone who has an interest in baseball and wants to get into the role that, you know, that you're currently in, but then also the role that you started in, um, you know, at Wake Forest, like just if you have any, any piece of advice for people, with aspirations, uh, to do what you're doing.
2: Yeah, that's a good, that's another good one. I think, you know, there are a couple, the the biggest thing is, I think you just to not be afraid of your passion and and to go all Mm. in on it. Like if you find something that you're really passionate about, whether it's baseball, whether it's not baseball, like don't let your, don't hold yourself back from that. I think that's a really, that was something that really was important for me. And, Mm. you know, and for a lot of people who were in, my position and have been in my position before, like, just keep going, like, just be all in on it and give your, you know, you know, be willing to give yourself to something that's, that's bigger than you and and be willing to fold into something that's bigger than you and keep moving in in a direction and good things are going to happen from that. So whether that's like, you know, your, your college team or your career or, or, or whatever it is, or like a, you know, a third party, like a private sector company, that you work for, like, yeah, be all in on it, like, like, just make, you know, make it your own and keep pushing the bare limits of what you think you can do and what you think is possible and what other people think you can do and just keep, keep going. The only, the only thing that will stop you is your, is yourself. So just, just keep going and, and good thing.
0: Yeah. You said it. That's yeah. Wow. I can, I can relate to that uh, big time. Mm -hmm. Jeez that was great oh my gosh that's such a good answer
2: it's it's true i think that's like i i've been asked that question before like Hmm. before i had to come up with an answer and that's what i think it is like i think the biggest thing that that we were able to do at wake and not myself like the team Hmm. we were able to do is just keep going like just keep pushing and just keep like developing into new areas like just keep just keep doing more like just keep going and and Mm-hmm. Not you know no no one told us no so we just kept going and doing things
1: mm. and
2: i think that that's like you can apply that same logic to a lot of other areas
0: <laughs> you call it logic and i call it philosophy i call it yeah. i call, I well, call it, it
2: definitely it's philosophy i don't know if it's logic it's philosophy it
0: can, it can be a way of life for sure yeah um that definitely aligns with like the the can do and not or the the get to and not have to mentality for yeah. sure Exactly. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you if you can do it, you know, then you do it because you can, you right? Can. Exactly. Oh, dude, that's great. That's a great way to end this, by the way. I'm just going to say this right now. Thank you so much for having on. Like, this was
2: awesome. You got it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do it. This was just a lot of fun for sure.
0: Jeez, oh, yeah. Well, we'll have to do this again too when when you yeah. get a little bit more experience under your belt with the Blue Jays because okay. I'm sure you're in for a whole new, you know, set of challenges that is going to be very fun for you.
2: Yes, absolutely. I already, I'm getting the tip of the iceberg right now, but I'm, I'm excited for it. So we'll definitely hop back on, you know, in a little bit when I got a little bit more under my belt here. But this oh, is
0: awesome. no doubt. Um, but yeah, thank you again for coming on. Um, I think that's it. You know that that's, that's going to be it for this episode. Um, I don't know if you have anything you want to say, but yeah, I think you said it already. That's that's that was fantastic. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll talk to you really briefly after we sign off here. But that is going to do it for this week's episode of Player to Prospect. We'll see you next week.